What's up, everybody? Welcome in to episode number 26 of the Mac Geeks podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Hughley, and I am usually joined, or I'm always, I'm going to be joined uh, on the regular by Mr. Jack Mueller, but Jack is actually on a plane right now. He is um, somewhere over the United States, so hopefully he's having a safe trip, but I figured, you know, if I need to get a replacement, like, who am I going to replace Jack with, right? That's, that's hard, so you got to find somebody impressive to to replace Jack with. Uh, so why not a Hall of Fame sports writer, broadcaster, uh, he's the announcer for the NCAA tournament and the Olympics. Uh, that's Mr. Jason Bryant. Let me bring Jason on real quick. How are you doing today, Jason? Cheers, ACC Wrestling Country. And you know what, it's kind of, I mean, I'm gonna take that intro really, really to heart because if anybody knows Jack Mueller and anybody knows me, they know that his top work is so much better than mine. So I, I don't honestly. I think it's an overblown comparison. Uh, I don't see how I can compete with that guy. Uh, the, the closest thing I can get to competing with Jack is perhaps his drill partner at, at UVA, Patrick McCormick, whose dad is one of my best friends from my hometown. So that's about as close as I'm getting to sparring with Jack is via proxy the other kid wrestling D1 from Pocosin. Oh, dude, and uh, uh, you said uh, Patrick McCormick. He has probably the best Twitter handle in at least ACC wrestling. He's Patch Zahulahan. Yeah, uh, and it's weird. I've known Patch since he was. I mean, well, I've I've known Mike, his dad, who wrestled at UVA, and and Mike's dad, Pat McCormick, who is the was the head of the NCAA wrestling officials for such a long time. So, uh, knowing Patch since he was you know before he was born, I obviously can't know him before he was born, but it's it's just weird to know that. All right. Well, everywhere I go, there's there's a little bit of Bull Island out there in the wrestling mat. So that makes me happy being, you know, from where I'm from and in the city that ultimately, you know, taught me about the sport of wrestling. So it's always cool to see see a Pocosin kid out there. There's a couple of them out there. Mason Fasella, last time I checked, was still wrestling at Appalachian State. So uh, there's there's a couple Bull Islanders out there on the D1 mats right now. Heck yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always cool to see kids, you know, coming up through the ranks and doing well on the college circuit that are from like your hometown or home state depending on where you're from i mean i'm from georgia so georgia's recently starting to get big so i'm starting to see you know some of these kids that were in like youth wrestling or you know middle school growing up behind me that are you know going d1 and doing amazing things it's crazy like looking back because i'm not i'm 24 so i'm not too far removed and i remember you know seeing uh, my coach's son when he was a little kid running around the wrestling room like getting in everybody's way and um, you know, I got to watch him win a state title last year, so it's super cool. Twenty-four suit. So when I was twenty-four, I was barely. I mean, I wasn't even. I I got out of college eight days before I turned twenty-five. So uh, my my seven-year tenure at that school in Norfolk. Uh, you know, I walked in May, and then I took I had that summer class to finish up. Finished up August the twelfth. My birthday is on the twentieth, so I was out eight days before I turned twenty-five. So uh, those Pell grants did serve me well the last couple of years. Yeah. Man, well, I'm uh, I'm excited to jump into this one, man. I, I'm again, thank you for coming on. I'm I'm excited to talk to you. I've gotten to talk to you before, and it's always great. Um, I always love listening into the podcast and seeing you jump on, you know, the Hager Show or or wherever else you jump on. Um, but yeah, everybody I mean, know, I mean, I'm kind of like a uh, kind of a, I don't want to say like a uh, like look at me type of freak, but if there's a microphone and there's a show and I can be on it and just goof around with people, I am. I'm all about it. I mean, it doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, I'll see a, a Twitch stream like, hey, you know, I'll see something like that, or, or or just some of the old 
random a, a blab back in the day. I will jump into anything and talk wrestling. You know, I'll I'll jump into a Reddit thread. I mean, I've been on the Matt.com forum since, you know, way early in my career. So I have no problem talking to anybody about wrestling and especially with their there's microphones and podcasts involved. Heck yeah. Well, you know, we're getting this this live show started. I, I wanna do it every single week, every Tuesday night. Me and Jack settled on Tuesday night because it'd be probably a good night for him. Obviously, you know, I'm a little bit more wide open. I'm not training for the Olympics. Um, but, you know, it, it's a good time to also kind of, the plan is like preview the ACC every week, right? So you know, we'll jump on Tuesday. We'll talk about what happened last weekend and then we'll preview what's going to go on the next weekend. Um, you know, can't be too many duels to go over. So we'll be able to actually go over all of them. Um, but it's going to be fun, man. I'm excited. So uh, we talked a little bit earlier, though, and you mentioned that you're you're teaching your daughter full time right now. So how's that going? Well, teaching uh, one, my older sister is a teacher uh, back home in my hometown, and I know what she's going through in terms of just just preparation for distance learning. And then then to see what my daughter, my oldest daughter is eight years old in third grade. And we started out with a hybrid model for her where she would be in school Monday and Wednesday and then every other Friday, I would handle the at-home distance learning on Tuesday, Thursday, and every other Friday because my wife, uh, she can't, her job is, let's just say, from a pay scale situation, it's much more valuable than mine is. So, uh, I'm, you know, and with no wrestling events, it's not like I'm going anywhere. So it, it actually, from that situation, having no events has been beneficial. We haven't had to hire extra childcare. Our younger daughter is actually in the Montessori school around the corner. That's that's a very small class, and it's I mean it's in the neighborhood. We we walk there to drop her off until it gets to be. Uh, right now it's actually warm. It's 24 degrees. It was 11 this morning. Uh, so getting you know getting Ruby to school is not a problem. Abby works from downstairs. I have my office. We just finished a renovation you know about a year ago where I have this you know I've talked about the speakeasy forever. So everything aligned. Now last year when all this hit and we went from you know in school to distance 100. percent That was a bit of a train wreck because I'm still trying to. You know, I, at, at that point, I'm still like, am I putting out the preview guide? Am I, what am I doing? Are we having trials? Am I going, you know, there's these events. What, what, what are we working? What's going on? So I was just kind of thrust into it, still doing podcasts. You know, I had my clients at the time. I got to get those shows out and everything came to a halt. And coming through this time, that really kind of prepared me to to go this time. I was like, okay, I loathe the Chromebook. I'll tell you that. Those of you that have the kids at home with the, with the Chromebooks, oh, thankfully, Lucy is good with her iPad. Uh, and the apps are there, so it's been a lot better this time around. She's technically savvy; she can work this this iPad. I mean, matter of fact, my wife gave me an iPad uh, a couple years ago for for me to work on when I was watching her for a summer playing daddy daycare. That basically became her iPad in a week once she found Fruit Ninja or something like that. So, yeah, uh, been been doing a lot of learning how to carry the one again, uh, learning how how they're teaching kids math these days because I was pretty good at math. Uh, I didn't like math classes like in college. Like you know, I, there's there's a difference between liking math, being good at statistics, and taking statistics and such. So um, that notwithstanding, just some of the things that we have to do as a parent now, you know, it, it's it's what we have to do. And and thankfully, uh, I am in a flexible situation where, you know what, if I I, I you know I I lose a lot of work, a lot of my work day. I don't get to sit down in here and work on things, podcasts, and, and schedule interviews until after three o'clock in the afternoon and then by the time we get it's five o'clock i gotta make some dinner i like to do the cooking so again it's kind of changed my schedule and that's one thing if you've noticed that uh the number of, of short time episodes that are fresh aren't as often now we did that international podcast day in which you were a big part of on september 30th i've still got those those 
you know, pullouts to to release. I got the second half of it. Yeah. Well, not half, the second session of that still to go. And thankfully for that, or else short time would have been like, okay, there's 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 nothing going on here. That's but uh, thankfully, it's given me some time to actually work those things out, schedule them out. I mean, we've done a couple episodes, you know, probably two episodes a week still, even with older content and you know evergreen content because i think a lot of that stuff from podcast day saved the episodes when we talked you were i mean we're talking episode 26 here 27 would mm-hmm. you say and you were six you, you were early on in september so yeah uh, you know it's one of those things that that doing my workflow having to balance that that's probably this biggest struggle for me is is when i you don't feel like you're contributing because you're not working events, you know, mm-hmm. you, you lose the Olympics, you lose the NCAAs, you lose, you know, at this point, there's a world championships going on right now in, in Belgrade as we speak. I mean, those are things that, that are part of, part of my, you know, my, not, I don't want to say my legacy, but that is, that is what I do. That's yeah. how I work. You know, I mean, I've worked four events since May or since March, uh, three high school events, and then, and then one USA wrestling event. And three of those have been in Iowa. So it's been pretty sparse for me, but Again, it's not like I have to sacrifice a lot of stuff right now to make sure that Lucy is is being able to stay attentive and she's doing great. Her teachers think it's great. So I feel like I'm doing my job as a parent. And and there's that line of making sure that be firm where you're not doing it for them because I don't want to – I'm not – you know, I'm not going to do the work for him. Teachers know. My my sister has told me she's like, yeah, you go from a 60 average with all these typos to being 100 complete in a week. We can tell you're doing the work for them. So I, I you know, she's she's Lucy's very bright. She's smart, and so I don't. I have to, I just the, the, again, it's the focus thing. You got to have a kid to stay focused. It's really hard when they like that screen, but they're forced to be looking at that screen. So yeah, that's been it's been a battle. And you know, kids are kids. They're gonna they're gonna be. They're going to be moody one day. They're going to be great the next. One day they'll blow through all their assignments in an hour. The next day it'll be five o'clock and they still haven't finished the work. So it is. It is. It is always a moving target with 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 children in general. But uh, tell you what, if if I got to give my wife a lot of the credit for this because it's it's you know, you know she's she's the strength of this family. So and, and keeps keeps me dialed in because I I really get I get uptight about not being able to do things. If I'm not busy, I'm not happy, and that's. Uh, it's just how I've always been. I've got to be doing something, put a chart of something, do a stats or something. One of our questions we'll talk about uh, later today, the topics, I, I went like, you know what? I need to look that up. I need to chart that so I can know what I'm talking about. I mean, I, I give myself projects. If I don't do that, I feel like I, I'm not doing something. I feel like I'm getting passed by. I feel like somebody is not getting some knowledge that I can offer. So all yeah. of that ties into teaching and, and, and working and whatnot. Yeah, man, it's been it's been wild. I'm a high school math teacher, so it's like, just the adapting from being in the classroom to online is crazy. I feel like I'm in a completely different career because I'm, I love teaching and like, I love being in the classroom. I'm very energetic. I'm up like running around the room and doing funky stuff to get kids to pay attention and all that. And, you know, sitting behind a computer screen all day with just looking at dots, like it's, it's awful, but you know, we'll get back there eventually. Um, but yeah, a couple of things you said there, I kind of connected with first the, uh, the computer yeah we, we don't have chromebooks but our school gave us we have these like god they suck little, they suck so bad yeah well we have these like old little dell laptops like i don't even know what they are honestly and like i, I used it when I, I actually switched over to a new school like three months before um covid hit and so i used it for that time and then got home and i was like i'm done I, i'm done I, I i used my mac i put it in the closet i haven't touched it in nine months and i I mean, I forgot where it was the other day. I looked, had to go find it. Um, but yeah, and the other thing you, you talked about your your wife, maybe the 
pay situation or whatever, I'm in the same situation there, my man. I, uh, my wife's in dental school, so she'll be right afterwards. It's like, I love being a teacher and, and I'm gonna love, I, I don't know, I, I love that she's getting to do something she loves, but man, she's gonna get out of school and literally the first year make like quadruple what I make. <laughs> I work in wrestling, brother. I mean, oh. I'm not talking finances, but let's just say my wife got a, a master's from the Carlson School of yeah. Business here at the University of Minnesota, and has been a rock star for her company for for quite a long time. So, I mean, Man. she started working there when she was an intern at 20 years old. So, uh, at, you know, do the math. That's 20 years ago. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Man, you, you know, she is. She's just really good. What's also great is she's uh, she 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 has that separation from wrestling. To talk on her Zoom calls, and then I have that separation from wrestling, talking to her about our kids and such. Although, yeah, pretty much everything I talk about now is either wrestling, podcasting, or the kids. So I'm yeah. really not that diverse anymore. Yeah, I started getting way too into wrestling. I mean, I love it, and so I was like, I was on every social media. I was trying to restream to five different things, and like, I got <laughs> overwhelmed the other night, and I was like, you know what? I'm not even having fun anymore. So like screw it we're going facebook twitter and rockfin and we're just gonna have fun with it and later down the road if we choose to try to do more stuff we will if not whatever i, I just kind of have to remember you're in it for the fun of it and not for page views and all that kind of stuff just you know if i get to talk to cool people like you and have a good conversation shouldn't really matter who's listening um but hey, dyson's in the chat what's up dyson yeah <laughs> I figured I'd have to pull it up too, since I can't. I can't. I'm not going to distract myself with it on screen here. Yeah. Oh, um, I could, because I, I, I. You're talking about tech. Oh, there's the. Okay, no comments over here. Never mind. Oh, speaking of tech, I got. I finally got tired. My so my microphone. It, it's decent, but I just I can't get it exactly the way I want it. And I know these headphones I used for a long time when I did my other podcast, and they work really well. So I got tired, and I was like, you know what? I'll figure it out later. We're, we're going old school tonight. Um, but. Yeah, what's, yes. what's your gamer tag? <laughs> yeah, for real, exactly. Hey, you know what? Yeah, it not me. makes me happy, so I, I'll i figure it out, you know. I'm still getting there right. with all the tech stuff. But um, the the last champion came out, and I'm so excited to watch it. I didn't. I was going to sit down and watch it the other night, and then I got distracted, and I did something else. But uh, my wife's actually out at a clinic all night until, like, midnight tonight. So I think when we get off, that's what I'm doing. Um because I already bought it. <laughs> but if yeah. you haven't heard of it, The Last Champion, it's a new wrestling movie that's out on Amazon. I, it's probably out a bunch of different places. But it's that's on where Apple I iTunes, it. Uh, Google Play. I got it off iTunes. I did. That's I'm pretty much a Mac head. So I got you know the Mac Mini here. I got the laptop behind me. Got two Apple, t- three Apple TVs, uh, a couple iPhones, a couple iPads. So yeah, we're pretty so much. Uh, I heard that you were. I heard you were. I don't know like the whole story, so I'm gonna ask. But, like I heard that you were kind of in helping out with the movie or doing something with the movie. I know you've interviewed on your show a bunch of the guys that um, helped produce the movie and you know the main actor and, and a couple of the other actors. So um, can you tell us, you know, first of all, what the heck is this movie, and then also, um, you know, what was your part in this? Well, one thing I want to want to be clear, you know, people go into movies with certain expectations. Like I watched Fat Man the other night, the Mel Gibson like dark com- comedy action thing where he's Santa Claus. Okay, I watched that to be entertained. I had no preconceived notions of what it was going in. The thing is, when we see a wrestling movie or a movie with wrestling in it or we hear about it, we always want something better than what we're used to. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. But when you go into The Last Champion, wrestling is a is a driving force of the movie. Wrestling is not the main plot of the movie. So uh, while it centers around 
a, a former athlete and a high school wrestling team, don't go in thinking you're going to get two hours of wrestling because that's that's it's just not realistic. You know what happened? You know what those are called? Documentaries. You know, so we don't really when we want to see a movie about wrestling with a lot of wrestling in it, it's going to be a documentary or else you're not going to see it because those type of films don't really get made. That being said, I don't want to I don't want to spoil it for you for those that haven't seen it and those who who might have seen it and liked it. Great. Those of you who've seen it and not liked it. Great. Fine. I understand that. Some people are, you know, they watch movies for different reasons. I, I watch to be entertained. This one, I cannot hide the bias because I was involved in the film. I play a role, play play myself, actually. I play the uh, myself broadcasting the Washington High School State Finals in which uh, two of the characters, uh, spoiler alert, will, will eventually, uh, you can probably figure out what's going to happen there. And I'm, I'm playing myself with Dan Gable and Randy Lewis. We're the broadcast team, which... When you look at it on the surface, okay, that's a little bit, you know, it's it's like the Mighty Ducks 3, where Paul Correa was doing the intra squad for the Eden Hall varsity JV game. Come on. The guy that was playing for the Ducks is not going to play. A Hobie Baker award winner is not going to be there with some some seventh grader calling a, 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 you know, a junior high hockey game. So suspend the discipline. It's a movie. Remember that. It's Hollywood. Um, this is an independent film starring Cole Hauser. It actually began shooting in 2017. Uh, before Cole Hauser had really exploded with with Yellowstone, uh, before Gable had won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. So there's two things that happened uh, within the week that leading up that really made uh, The Last Champion kind of kind of move a little bit. Right now on the iTunes charts, it's number one in family, it's number one in drama. So uh, those are things based on how it's rated and its sales. Uh, what was, was crazy about it is this was going to be a theatrical release. This was going to be in the theaters. It wasn't going to be, you know, a thousand screens or anything because it's an independent film, but it was it was going to be in some screens and it was going to be, we were talking about putting it in Waterloo, putting it in in places where wrestling and, and Stillwater and have it at those museums and also have it at in wrestling hotbeds where there's a big, like the Lehigh Valley, find some screens there. And again, this is what the directors told me. I didn't have any direct involvement in any of this, but what happens is, is they shot the movie and it was done in end of you know end of end of seventeen, early eighteen. Well, they weren't happy with how the finals scene was, and one of the the technical consultants on the film was initially an extra who had coached the club team, the NCWA team at Idaho, which was where they were shooting some of the wrestling scenes, University of Idaho, and he had said something about the wrestling and and. The producers had heard it because apparently everything on the set is mic'd up. It's live. You can every, you can hear everything on a set or a, a shooting location. And then uh, so what happened was is there was a lot of that, that consultant was up there coaching with some guys who wrestled at Iowa. They knew Gable, the the writer and director of the film, Glenn Withrow, was a wrestler. And he had always wanted to write a wrestling film. And he did it with his daughter and his wife. His wife, Hallie Todd, is Joe McGuire from Lizzie McGuire. If you're in that age demographic, you'll recognize her from that. And uh, they're they're actually bringing back the Lizzie McGuire series. I was I age past that, but so what happens is is it's Christmas. I'm up in my in laws' place in you know north of Lake Malax in Minnesota, and my friend Jose Delgado, he's a referee down in Texas, goes, "Hey, they're they're trying to get a hold of you for this movie." And I'm like, "I don't, I don't, I it's right before the Virginia Duels. I don't know." And then later that afternoon, Gable calls me. And that's one of those things that, you know, just when you when you pick up your phone and it says Dan Gable, you answer the phone. OK, it's not like I'm name dropping or anything. It's just one of those things where I picked it up. I try and I try to disconnect when I'm up there and my wife's like, who is it? And I turn it, hold the phone. She's like, you better answer that. 
So I did, and he explains to me, he's like, yeah, they've got this movie. They want, they need, they, is it okay for him to give them my number? So think about that. For, normally, I'm the one people are calling, hey, can I get a hold of Gable? Can you give me Gable's I, number? If you that happens a lot more than this. If you don't answer a call from Dan Gable, I think you should be fired from wrestling. <laughs> like, just, you're out. All right, go cover soccer or something else. Well, that's the thing, Gable, too. You can hold that up and show somebody who doesn't know anything about wrestling. They know who Dan Gable is. I mean, it's just like, oh, yeah. I, mm, yeah. I mean, it's not quite like when I'm sitting at a Buffalo Wild Wings at the Midlands one time, and Terry Brands calls me, and I'm at a table. I'm actually, I think I was sitting next to Allie Reagan, and the phone comes and says, Terry Brands, whole table looks at it and goes, JB, you better answer that. <laughs> so, but so Gable calls me, explains what they want, and say, hey, uh, can I give the producers your number? And that, you know, a couple days later, I get a call. They said, hey, we're, we're down here, we're reshooting the, fi- the scene. Um, Gable said that you're the guy we want, and we're okay, we're coming after. So, what do you need? You know, I didn't know how this worked. So, uh, you know, I, it was tough to sit there and travel. It's like, okay, they're going to pick up the flight. It's like that week. So, it's a Monday. They start shooting, I think it was Friday. Um, so, they pick up the flight. I go down there. I, I, and thing is, I thought I was just going to be the PA announcer. I didn't know that I was the play by play with Gable and, and, and Lubu, Randy Lewis, until I actually got there. So I'm in the car. I get, you know, we, they pick us up. A couple other actors are in the background, and I don't even remember who they are. And it, it, I think they were just uh, they were extras, but they were actors. So I mean, they, they might have had little roles reshooting, and I just wasn't sure who they were because uh, I don't I don't know anything about this movie. And I get there, and the next day we you know, call time is this. We're up there, and I'm I'm sitting with Gable and, and Lewis between them for eight hours. Uh, you know, sitting there in background shots for continuity. The, there's a, there's a scene they walk out from the back that they had to do uh, intricate film work on and, and camera shots and focus and such. So, and, and part of the fun through all this was, you know, as I said, everybody's mic'd up. Well, the stuff that we were, I mean, if you get me and Randy Lewis talking about international trips, he's probably going to go off the rails pretty quickly. And here's Gable in between us, just you know, the things that, that things that we were saying, it would probably not be. Uh, you know, G-rated podcasting for any such of the imagination. Because I learned some things about about Randy that he was just he's just talking. And the thing is, the whole production team has got their ears on. They hear everything we're saying. So at some point, Randy dropped dropped something about his trip to Germany, and the whole like production team with behind the monitors on the other side of the mat just die. I mean, you could hear an audible roar. It was during a break, so we didn't mess up the shots. We were careful about that. But but yeah, it, it gave me an opportunity to see how things are made and how the directors are off the screen and looking like oh, we want that shot we want that shot and uh, it was just a really cool experience to, to 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 call a match that's not a match and to call it authentically is a lot more difficult than it sounds so uh, you know there's part of that preparation i had to watch you know and i wasn't watching the actual match i was watching uh, one of the wrestling choreographers and another actor go through the motions of this is how what's going to be in the movie so I'm sitting there calling action that actually isn't familiar with anything that I'm used to be doing, you know. So, you know, it's kind of hard to fake it. Like, hey, you're you're at a bar or something. Like, hey, uh, give me a call on that. And it's just like it's kind of hard to just pop that up sometimes. You just yeah. kind of, you kind of, you know. I've I've had a couple of wrestlers come, dude. Can you, you know? I think Ryan Wolf when he was coaching when he was an All American at Ryder. I see him the next year at the Virginia Duels, and he's like, dude, can you say it? Can you say it again? His podium call, like All American, you know that type of thing. And it's just <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I, that's kind of hard to do, yeah. uh, at least in, in, from where I sit about, you know, in, in setting it all up. So the experience was was amazing. 
Uh, I was pretty thrilled when we went out to we I got to go out to Warner Brothers. The you know basically you see the movie set that has the the Warner Brothers water tower and the little like the corner movie theater. I got to go sit in there and watch this film. You know, two years ago wow. when we did the premiere, and then we went back and, and tweaked a couple things. Um, had, had some involvement in that, working with amateur wrestling news, using some old covers that I actually have here, and you know, putting up some dummy text and and things for for the art team to put in, uh, which was pretty cool to see. But uh, ultimately, I it's my first experience, you know, seeing how these things are made, and ultimately, you know, whether you like the movie or not, I can tell you this: they. They, they, I think they did the sport right because if you're looking for high level, Olympic level caliber wrestling in a movie about high school wrestling, you're not going to find it. So stop being so damn critical. Yeah. It's like people complaining about, oh, I'm, not, I'm only going to go watch the best. Well, that means you watch wrestling one time a year. So just, you know, if, if you like, you know, some people say it's slow. Some people say that it wasn't a wrestling movie, it had wrestling sprinkled in it. Hey, it, it is what it is. They did this. You know what? There wasn't in this movie, there was not a, a crazy souped up story about weight cutting making us look bad i mean that's one thing that wrestling movies have kind of had a black eye it's about dropping weight cutting weight pulling weight whatever you want to say it yeah none of that was in this movie so that was one thing and ultimately it was a positive experience uh the people involved are, are great people I'm, I'm just i was super excited that this thing did get released uh because there's so many films that, that they work they're independent they run out of money and that's where they die so yeah. Um, it was it was really cool, and I, I recorded Casey Moss. He's Days of Our Lives. He plays. He was on there for seven years. He's one of the actors. I had Michael Madden, who wrestled at Jamestown in the NAIA. He's in the film. Uh, Cole Hauser, of course, I had him uh, when they were doing the uh, the press day, and then the Withrow. So I've got more coming. I'm going to talk to Joel Shearer, who is uh, the choreographer. He wrestled Division Three at Manchester. He's actually already been on D3 Nation talking about this. And Paul Bradley, All American from Iowa. Was, yeah. was involved in the film too so i've got i got a lot more coming out it's not like i'm just sitting there trying to shove the last champion down your throat but these are some cool stories that you don't really get to see and and one thank you for asking me the question because i don't want to sit there and do a show about my experience so you know on my show because it's i don't want it to come yeah. off as, as self-serving and egotistical but well that is what i am so. <laughs> but it, no. the experience was awesome so well, I, I, I i i can't say enough about Glenn Withrow, who was Tim Shepard in the in the movie The Outsiders. If you if you went through eighth yeah. grade English, you read the book. So you know it's one of those those things. It's just it's so it was such a cool experience to be involved with. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely something I had to ask you about. I mean, it's it's not often that a wrestling movie comes out, and with that, like anytime you ever see rest, the, the thing I was excited about, literally anytime you ever see wrestling on a movie or a TV show or anything, it's like. It's just not wrestling. Like you'll see people that are like throwing these like robotic headlocks or like, you know, do, that, like it's just it's not technically right. It doesn't look even close to right, and it like ends up just pissing me off. And I'm I'm like, this is awful. Like they couldn't have just literally found anybody on Twitter. They could have searched wrestling and been like, hey man, does this look right? And you know they could have had it look at least halfway decent. Um, but when I watched the preview for that, that was the first thing I, I was looking at. I was like. Dude, that was an ankle pick. That that was this. That was this. That was awesome. Like, this is cool. I mean, I know it's not you know all wrestling. Like, obviously, like you said, that's a documentary. That's not what we're we're getting at, right? There's got to be a story, and that's that's half of the fun part too. That's what makes Vision Quest so great is that it's not just wrestling. It's there's a big story involved. But it was really exciting for me just to look on there and see. Okay, this this looks legit, right? And obviously, guys like you, Dan Gable. Um, and I mean, all of them that are associated with it, you had to know that it was going to look legit. Um, but 
Well, Casey Moss, who is, again, uh, he's J.J. Devereaux on Days of Our Lives, if any of the wives out there or maybe some of you that have uh, been spending time in your dorm rooms watching Days of Our Lives, he he, he wrestled through, uh, I think he wrestled through ninth grade, and then, you know, acting got, and, and music got in his way, so when he moved to California. So, I mean, this is one of the actors that were was playing uh, a part in a movie, loved wrestling, grew up wrestling, so he, he had the feel. So yeah. that's something that, that brought that realism to it. And, you know, again, it's it's a feel-good movie. It's, you know, and if people want to say, you know, oh, well, it's a little bit of home run. and th- I mean, because you can kind of expect the type of moves that are going to appear in wrestling movies. Yeah. This doesn't have as much of that home run stuff. But, again, you what's exciting? There's going to be nothing exciting about a 3-2 match where a kid stalls out to win. Okay, we see a lot more state finals like that. Let's not celebrate that. Let's at least let's at least you know put a highlight into wrestling and, and what it, what it can look like with the drama. Because you know I, I talked to Brady Buck who wrote the book Unmatched about Tom Clum and who you know he didn't get pinned in in the finals this year, but he was an undefeated three time state champion who got beat in the finals. I mean, those type of dramatic things actually happen in our sport. So. Yep. Uh, you know, that's that's not far-fetched. When you think about, oh, come on, whatever. I mean, did anybody think that Gable's story would even was happening? Come on. I mean, not like, that real. guy got beat in the finals his senior year, undefeated? Come on. You can't write that stuff. Well, it was so just uh, suspend your reality a little bit. I think, I think sometimes as wrestling people, we just need to loosen the sphincter a little bit about how uptight we are. Yeah. About what we want to see in a movie or what we want to see in a documentary or what or what matches we go see. Come on. We we love this sport. Let's act like we love this sport because I honestly I mean I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about the film. I didn't write it. So don't complain to me about it. I don't have anything to do with that. But I will say I didn't realize we had this many freaking film critics in the sport of wrestling. I mean, geez, I mean, Siskel and Ebert, man, uh, they must have been wrestlers because the way these people are, that are complaining about the movie are like, oh, I'm big in the film. Well, okay, I'm not. I don't yeah. care. I'm into wrestling. I'm, I'm in the, I, I don't need to watch the, the finer points of the movie Airplane to know why uh, the, the sound of the propellers don't make sense on a four-engine plane. So let's just loosen up a little bit, enjoy it, sit down, get some popcorn, have a beer, and watch a movie don't 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 analyze don't hyper analyze your if you are a high school coach don't coach in this movie take yourself out of it watch it yeah if you like it you like it if you don't that's fine there are plenty of people that don't like vision quest even the people that like vision quest know the wrestling is so messed up in the scoring that it's 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 like uh, come on i mean the book by the way if you want to you want vision quest get terry davis's book is phenomenal and i love vision quest i get the i get the soundtrack framed on my wall over here i mean so I love that movie, but let's let's. I think that's the one thing too is Vision Quest has had 36 years to marinate. Yeah, you know, the last sure. champions had. Hey, we're still counting hours since it's, its release. So it's time to time to move on and get another movie out like that. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the other stuff that I saw that was so cool that every time I see wrestling in movies, it's always like this old gym with like this mat that's like 50 years old, and and people are wearing like. It's just, like it looks just so unrealistic, and like seeing like I'm what I assume is a state finals match with the black mat and everything. Like that just it looked so cool and looks like like wrestling today, you know. Well, they had where we did that was the Allen Event Center, uh, which is in Allen, Texas, where they hold the NCWA Nationals. So uh, that is also in a, in a place that they've they've held wrestling tournaments and events. I mean, it is it's a it's a minor league sports arena. I think uh, they got an, uh, one of those off-brand hockey league teams that play there but it's also Allen's a sports town I mean that's that's Bo Nichols you know where he went to high school that's you know that's just it's a good little sports town it was a good little facility so 
The yeah. fact that it wasn't true to life in terms of where the state finals were for Washington, because if you're from Washington, you're knowing it's it's in the Tacoma Dome. So again, a couple things that, you know, as far as factual accuracy, I don't want to say they're wrong on purpose, but they're just, it's an independent film. It's not like they could rent out the Tacoma Dome for one shot to get it right. So uh, yeah. they, they did great for what it is. And in a lot of cases, you see one raised mat for state finals. It's not that unbelievable. So outside of the state of Washington, I don't think a lot of people are going to notice that. Yeah, and also the the thing you said a minute ago, um, I you said something about like you know three time state champ losing in the final match. Like, I I mean I've seen it. I've seen it in Georgia. I remember watching a match a couple of years ago of a guy that was a three time champ wrestling some dude that hadn't won hadn't won one. I don't even know if he had placed or what, but you know ended up coming out and beating the guy, and it was crazy. And so like no one happened to a guy at my high school. My high school in the eighties, somebody was going for their fourth title, got pinned with two seconds to go while winning the match. Yeah. Oh, I saw another that one. Happened. I that saw, happened. I saw one. One of my favorite stories from Georgia wrestling was um, we had this guy that was going for his fourth at 182, and then I had a guy that was at 170. Actually, Matthew Waddell from uh, Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Matthew Waddell was a, a two-timer his senior year. So they're both seniors. One of them's going for his third, or going for his fourth, sorry, at 182. Matthew Waddell is down at 170, going for his third, right? So he can't win four. He got third as a freshman. And instead of just beating up everybody at 170 and winning a state title, he bumps up to 182 at the end of the year just to wrestle that guy. And the interview, they interviewed him um, either before the match, after the match, whatever. I saw it in an article somewhere. And they asked him why he did it. And he said, if I can't have four, he can't. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah. nuts. It's cool, man. But it happens. So, it, yeah, people shouldn't think anything of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to watch all your interviews and everything. I started to. And then I realized, like, let's watch the movie first and then come back and we'll mm -hmm. watch them after. Uh, so I'm going to watch that. I'm going to sit down with that tonight after we get off. But. Um, I want to I want to talk about a couple of events that are coming up this week, and then we'll jump into the eligibility thing because I really want to talk and, and get your take on the eligibility. Um, so the the first thing tomorrow is going to be uh, Gross versus Gilman. So Seth Gross, mm -hmm. Thomas Gilman, uh, throwing down on the Wisconsin RTCs uh, card right on Rockfin. Um, make sure you go over to the Wisconsin RTC and subscribe over there. You know they're putting on the event. Subscribe, whatever, whoever you want. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. But go subscribe over there. Watch the event. Um, it's a it's a great event. It's going to be awesome. I think right now they're actually re-airing their last event. So hmm. uh, that's actually live also. So, um, But, yeah, so Gross versus Gilman. I know there's all kinds of other matches, um, but I, I don't want to preview the whole card. I just want to kind of talk about this match. And so what are your thoughts on Gross versus Gilman? Do you have any kind of prediction and what is what is the the result going to do for you heading into olympic trials i i don't know because again right now i think the biggest question about gross is you know the weight is is he going to be you know where's the weight is he going to be on weight for the i mean if he's not on weight for these things you can kind of look at him and be or whatever the allowance might be for this you can be like eh, well you can always put a little bit of a doubt in the result but you know watching him at the rt rtc club duels which was an awesome event yeah, he had yeah he has his ups and downs, and then the last time I saw saw Gilman wrestle, I mean he, he wrecked Frank Pirelli. So it's like, um, hmm, let's think about this for a minute. I, I I don't know the fact that Gilman's got that edgy assholeness to him, like is 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 like it's I don't want it's let's see what's it's it's not I don't want to say it's becoming, but it's like it gives it's that 
that X factor. And where Seth, you know, he's he's well spoken, quiet. You know, he's very open about his faith. And it's like you've got your. And if you're you don't you're not a fan of either of these things, you can look at it and be like, okay, it's clear who the good guy and the bad guy is here based on just just based on how they act on social media and and their personas. So. Um, from a fan base situation, the lines you can draw pretty clearly on who you might want to win. Looking at it from technical and tactical standpoints, I think Gilman is still uh, one of the best in the world. I mean, there's some discussions about you know whether he's going to win the spot again, but I, I think he is a tremendous wrestler. I think the way Kale Sanderson is able to get in certain wrestlers' heads and, and maybe they you take the skills they have and just wire them slightly differently, not rewire, but just say, hey, this plug needs to be here versus here and fine-tune things is it makes thomas gilman i think that much more dangerous uh, it, you know i i think seth gross his style is really a problem because you know the, the funk factor in freestyle is you know it's a myth that it can be mitigated you just have to know what it's a different type of funk so uh, seth will give you those those situations but gilman with his just his his positioning with his freestyle abilities and and be able to, to hit Chris. I mean, if he can't finish the single leg, he's he knows where the edge is. He's like, okay, I can't finish this. I'm going to drive you to the edge, try to get that step out. And if I finish, I get that too. So he's definitely really good with his, his mat awareness. This is one thing that really impresses me about him. And the fact that he's just, he hates to lose. He's not going to quit. So not saying Seth Gross doesn't have those attributes as well, but I think just from a matchup stylistically and a in a pure a pure freestyle match, I think Gilman Gilman's the favorite. I think he wins this one. I'd have to. I'm going to go out and uh, I'll, I'll make a prediction because here's the thing: I don't care who wins. I really don't. I just want to see good wrestling. So uh, I see Gilman in, in like a nine three nine two kind of match. Yeah, I can definitely get down with that. Um, yeah, I've I spent a lot of time doing. I've done a lot of podcasts with Seth, um, and we have like a group chat and everything. Talk about it all the time, and uh, I know. Weight's not like an issue, right? But he he's definitely big, right? He's he's very big mm-hmm. for the weight. He's not he's not a dude that's just all right. I'm gonna cut a couple of pounds and make 57. Like I know he walks around pretty big, so um, yeah, I'll be. That's definitely gonna be a factor, right? Seeing where mm-hmm. exactly he is coming into this match, and you know how good the weight cut was. Um, I don't know where Gilman walks around, but I definitely feel like Gilman's probably a little bit smaller walking around than Seth is, um, and. I just, man, like, if you would have asked me about this match, you know, what is it, a year ago when Gilman was was at the Hawkeye Wrestling Club, uh, whether year two, whatever it was, before Penn State, if you had mm-hmm. asked me about this match, it would have been way harder for me to say. I, I would have, not saying I would have picked Seth, but it would have been a lot closer in my mind because I feel like Gilman was just kind of the really good, stay in really good position, hand fight, push you out. Um, don't give up any points like just very good defensively and was able to you know get a a point or two here or there when he needed it i think him transitioning over to the nlwc is is possibly the best thing that's ever happened to him freestyle wise uh he just he looks like a whole different animal right now um i think they took all the good things about thomas gilman and said cool keep it that way now here's offense right here's like not like you didn't have offense but now here's our you know penn state dynamic offense you can go out there and score on anybody and i mean you're really seeing the difference between thomas gilman a couple of years ago you know beating people three four nothing whatever it was to now he's going out there and, and teching fools i mean just destroying people um and I, I'm not going to say that he's going to tech gross, uh, but I, I'm, 
I'm cool with somewhere right around what you're saying. Yeah, nine three, like a I can see like a ten two, something like kind of bordering a tech, but you know, the the funk kind of eats up a lot of the clock and he's not able to get all the way to the tech. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of where I sit. And I'm either way, I'm stupid excited to watch it because it's gonna be Awesome. Yeah, that's 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 one that's going to be definitely on the phone because uh, sometimes I don't get to get down here and put it on the screen behind me or sit there and, and watch it. I got a two monitor set up right here. I got the camera here in case you're wondering why I'm looking where I'm at. Yeah. Is uh, is just being able to like sit over here on Twitter. I love that. It's one thing I love about these type of days. Like now we've got uh, some of this stuff, and eventually on uh, on the Matt Talk Online Rockfin channel, I'm going to be doing some of these watch-alongs. So we'll say, hey, we're we're watching Underground Two. Come in. We'll we'll have the video up of us just. BS and eventually when COVID's down, we'll have guests in here and we'll yeah. be streaming doing that kind of thing, kind of like Joe Rogan with the with the match companion. Little plug there for what's coming on the at mattalkonline.com or dot com. The at mattalkonline rockfin channel. So that's, that's some cool. of the stuff we're doing. But that type of stuff, I love sitting down. It's like I have to I it's like to the point now wrestling, it used to be you'd go to the message board and look at results and talk about them or if some you know because very rare we didn't have had the old message boards the old matt.com prior to 2010 wasn't on you know smartphones really weren't a super thing so you didn't get that instant like oh my goodness what's going on unless you were like refreshing intermat or the ncaa brackets or wherever they were at and talking on the message board about it now with twitter i have to have a screen open watching and i have to have another screen with twitter uh, because you know that's that's where I live as far as social goes, and I love talking about this stuff. So uh, I'm I'm going to be doing that tomorrow. I'm going to have have one iPad up watching the, watching this. I'm going to have my phone in there tweeting about it and BSing with the guys from Blood Round and Emil and then you know Tony Hager and all those guys that I tend to talk to pretty much daily uh, via text. It's just it's one of those things that I'm I'm excited for. I want more of this because it's not enough. We should be wrestling college right now. We should be having a season. So I get amped up thinking about what I get to do, you know, just talking wrestling with people is something that, that is high on my list of enjoyable opportunities and, and, and events. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, that, that's a cool idea though. The kind of like Joe Rogan match companion, just sitting down, hanging out, talking, watching it. Um, cause that's definitely something I would pull up. Like I, you know, especially in COVID, you know, my, my wife actually, she has type one diabetes. So she, um, is even more at risk than normal people. So, you know, we're mm-hmm. really having to kind of, you know, stay i mean I, I basically haven't left the house other than groceries and all that so um yeah she she likes wrestling and she supports me but she's not going to sit down and watch two hours of wrestling with me so um I, I would definitely be into pulling that up on my laptop and, and watching along while i'm watching wrestling uh you know maybe feel like i'm not so alone <laughs> but uh yeah no that'd be cool um but you know the other thing is how does this affect olympic trials for you you know either way if seth wins if, if gilman wins like does it change anything no no because it's again we're it's a one-off it's not part of the national team calendar it's not really part of it i mean i i don't i have a hard time believing that you know a match that was set a month ago is part of somebody's training cycle so mm-hmm. uh, you know it's one thing i learned at usa wrestling and it's how these guys peak and why the schedule is what it is and because we haven't had competition there's no there's no peaking there's no event to peak for because we don't know when the next event's going to be so uh we're 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 not getting the best version of our wrestlers it's great to see them uh you know i think if if we want them all at 100 percent we're going to probably have to wait to olympic trials or you know the next major event that's the one thing to take and take into consideration it's like you're not getting everybody's best right now you're getting the best they've got at the time, but 
you know, there's some people are, are training it. Like I think Rob Cole says they're training in, in a shopping mall. They're not even allowed in their facilities. So, uh, you know, it depends on where these guys are able to train and, and work out and how much hands on at the senior level. It's not as much. The college guys, I think, are are more impacted by it. And the college women is, too, because, you know, we, we've got a lot of those women in, in the college ranks that are on the freestyle ladder, women's freestyle ladder. So we've we've got they've got the same thing that, that the men do if they're not allowed on campuses. Uh, especially at the NCAA schools. I know the NAIA is, is running full bore with, with college wrestling right now. So, uh, it, you know, I don't think an, any outcome until we know we have a schedule set and we have some stability in our lineup. I'm, I'm just looking at it again, like the movie, like The Last Champion. I'm looking at it for entertainment value. And maybe I can glean something from those results or maybe, wow, okay, this type of technique, you know, worked in scoring this. Now, and remember, as a PA announcer, I'm not analyzing the technique on the yep. microphone i'm giving you this happened nine to two at you know rtc duels or something like that i'll throw that type of stuff at here or, or you know these two met x you know x x here or x there so I, again i'm watching it i like to watch it as a fan so it really uh and, and you know sometimes like eh, sometimes i'll watch a match like oh he beat him last time and i'm like mm, i don't know i don't know this time so uh, again like i said we're not seeing their best versions of themselves right now so Again, I look at this one just to it's 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 great to have wrestling. It's great to be entertained, and that's that's how I'm going to look at it. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, I think that the only the only way it does anything for me pertaining to trials is if we see Seth Tech Gilman, and, and not just like a, a laser something, but like a dominant win. If we see if we see that, then I'm going to be like, all right, what like what happened? Like, what's going on? Um, I think that's the least likely situation to see if you're asking me, maybe I'm crazy, but I think that's the least likely situation. So if we see something like that, that's going to set bells off in my head. What the heck's going on? Um, and, and that'll be like, all right, you know, what are we going to see from Gilman and, you know, Olympic trials? Like what's going to, are we going to see him before then? Like what's going on? Um, but if we see pretty much any other result, I'm with you. Like it, it's just, it's a good wrestling match. Like you said that they're not training, you know, like crazy, like they will be for the Olympic trials, right? They're they're right. just kind of jumping in on a couple weeks' notice. So, um, I think anything other than than a Seth Gross Tech, I, I you know, it's just kind of is what it is, and and I, it's not going to change the pecking order for me. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, make sure you guys tune in on the Wisconsin RTC uh, Rockfin page to watch that. Um, but the other big thing that's going on this weekend is the the big flow eight man bracket, right? 150 pound eight man bracket. Um, and you know whether you uh, agree, love, dislove, whatever flows stuff going on, who cares? They're putting out some freaking awesome content, man. I mean, these these events are great. They're extremely exciting to watch. It, it goes without being said that if you're a wrestling fan, you need a flow subscription because these. I mean, like, are you really going to miss this stuff? Um, it's <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to find it and check out exactly who's where but um, for the bracket you know first of all what are your thoughts on the idea right we already saw one bracket so what are your thoughts on the idea of these brackets um, and then just kind of getting into the bracket do you agree with the seating uh, the seating to me is is irrelevant to be honest with you because we went through a, a, you know a, a, how how many years of, of random draws that provided some great I mean Rashidoff and Aliyev we're talking about that right now. Uh, at the the senior world individual cup open whatever that's going on in belgrade right now so um i 
I, I don't really worry about the seating as much for something like this because what we've got is we've got a spread of athletes that are not that far apart from each other. So, I mean, any day of the week you could, you know, you could schedule, the, you know, see these guys one through seven. I think Lugo, again, is the one guy that with, without the international chops that you, you kind of have to put at number eight. But I, I like the fact that it's wrestling. Again, I'm watching to be entertained. But uh, right now, this is, the, I think this weight more so than the last one is, is one of those things like, okay, what is the goal? What, what am I going to watch out of this? I mean, yes, I love wrestling. I'm going to watch it. I, I like the personalities involved. I like the matchups, but ultimately I, I, you know, without some of the hammers, like a one or two, okay, what are we doing? What are, are, are we wrestling the consolation semifinals for 40 grand here or whatever? So I kind of wonder um, the impetus of the one, but I like the one bout. I like the, the quick card. I do like that. I think flow learned from their first one that, they got to speed these things up. And, you know, I like a, I can probably handle two hours for a single event. If I know it's a Friday night, for example, and Big Ten's going to go back to back, I know I'm carving out four hours to watch wrestling and on one screen and have Twitter up in the, in the next. But uh, I, I like the cards. I, I just don't, I'm like, I, I know Willie has mentioned this about the, the wrestling economy, the prize money situation. Is it blowing? Is it, it basically, it's that smart kid in class. Is he blowing the curve? You know, is he the one with 91 and everybody else has got a 60? Well, is, is, are, are the payouts, are they, are they what the athletes are worth? And I think a lot of cases, yeah, but we also got to realize that yes, these athletes time is worth money. So I don't want to sound like I'm misspeaking here when I say that, but you know, seven, eight years ago, we were actually, yeah, we were doing these one-off events. I think Tervel wrestled Gitsalov at Madison square garden for like this, this belt and the, the 10 grand to win was like, Wow, ten grand, and now we've got you know we've got wrestlers doing clinics. What if here's one thing I'd like it to do: if it can avoid a wrestler from charging a youth club ten grand for a clinic for a day, then let's do more of these because if they can earn their money by by doing cards like this, fine. I'm all for that. I just don't want to see that wrestling economy get thrown out for like the appearance fee is for everything you appear for. So it's like okay, well if if I'm in a youth club and I want to bring in a big time name and I've got to spend 10 grand to get it. Well, how much, how, how is that going to be an experience for my kids? Because I have to charge this many kids this much just to get my money back before they even get an opportunity to see these clinics. So that's, that's a little tangent about the wrestling economy that really hasn't been talked about uh, that much, but payouts. I mean, again, I, I, I question, <clears throat> is this what uh, one night, uh, the old bracket, I think that was probably when these guys, I'm probably a little bit leaning more towards, okay, that may be, you know, there's, 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 you know, we got some world caliber guys here. We've got people that have made world teams and such. So, um, I don't know if I've got a great answer for that, to be honest with you. But as I look at the bracket, one thing to remember with Bajarang is when international wrestlers typically come over to the U.S., they are on vacation. Now, Bajarang training up at Cliff Keen this month. Again, what's he at? What's, where's he going to be? Because if you read my daily newsletter, you know that there's nothing but drama with the Indian Wrestling Federation. We're usually surrounding Sushil Kumar, and, and Bajrang is, is a big deal over there. But, you know, they opted out of their training camp. They didn't go to this international, the the international, uh, the inv individual, man, I'm struggling with this event, the individual World Cup. So Bajrang's coming over here. It worked out that they got him in here. I think it's great because he's kind of taken on kind of a cult like uh, following here yeah. with some of the group on Twitter. And, I think dynamically, he's 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 a guy we want to get more eyes on. So I'm wondering if, if somebody put a bug in their ears, like, hey, we need we need to see, we need to get some more matches with this guy so we can see him. I don't know. 
Um, so, you know, there's, there's, I don't want to say they're conspiracy theories by any means, but I, I think it's going to be good for Americans to get a look at Bajrang, uh, not just from a, a fun level, but for, you know, there's going to be coaches paying a lot of attention to his matches. But again, if he drops a match, remember, this is not for a world championship. Now it's, it's for money. See how he gets that money back to India. That's another thing you got to figure out. But eh, when they got tax that on entry, you know, duty yeah. free. This is, I don't know if this is a duty free card, man. But and uh, for the I'm people... probably most excited to see. I right off the bat, Oliver and Pantaleo. Now that now that uh, Alex has been thrown in there, yeah, it's like, you know, well, somebody's going to get double legged. And I was going to say sometimes... real quick before <laughs> before we get into them, I just like for the people that are that are watching, um, I, I'm not going to put it up on the screen because it's not like on their it's not on their social it's only on their website and so i don't know if it's behind the paywall or whatever and you know i've seen um some you know youtube live streams that tell me that i probably mm -hmm. shouldn't do things that are questionable um hashtag willy trials but <laughs> i uh, don't have any idea what you're talking about yeah so i'm not gonna put it up on the screen but uh for yeah, I'm the at, yeah i'm looking at them right now the so. people that are listening uh, first of all if you're watching awesome thank you for watching um if you're not watching Tune in every Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Rockfin, on the Mac Geeks Rockin' page. But uh, if you are listening or watching, uh, the first matchups, Bajarang versus Pat Lugo. Uh, right after that is Anthony Ashnall and Evan Henderson. So that's the top half of the bracket. Uh, so the winners will face each other in the semifinals. The bottom half is J.O. versus Alec Pantelio. And then uh, Bryce Meredith and James Green. So the winners hitting the semifinals and then, of course, the finals. So that's what we're looking at. What, what do you see with the bracket? Like, how do you see it going? What's your prediction? Uh, probably that's a thing. You know, Bajrang doesn't like to lose anyway. I just still think that him being over here and not really hasn't really adapted to training here yet. I I, I can't. He's he's a favorite, but I don't see him as such a pronounced favorite over whoever comes out of the bottom. I'm really curious on Ashnall and Henderson based on. You know, last time I really remember paying attention to National Wrestling, got hurt, mm -hmm. and I'm just I'm just curious on where he's at in terms of, you know, his level because he's 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 got a, a really good build and, and style for the weight, but again, I haven't seen him enough on the freestyle mats to to know where he's at. And Evan Henderson, we've seen come in as like, oh well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have no problem with this this young Cuban. I'm gonna have no problem, you know, making the finals and beating some of these big names. I mean. Uh, he's he's solid. He's just solid. I mean, he's, he's a gritty veteran. Um, does you know? It's one of those things. It's like I I think Ashnall and Henderson's probably the one match. And you know that and Oliver J are the two. Or Oliver is J O. Uh, Oliver and Pantelli are the two. I think I want to watch the most. I mean, th those right off the bat are the most intriguing to me because I want to see where these guys are at. And as far as who wins it, I think I'd probably have to put. Oliver's just such I mean he's stingy with points and then so is James Green. I I, I hate to say it, but I, I can kind of see this Oliver James Green potential semi being like two one with a step out and a couple passivity points. Basically two yeah. of the most lightning guys on the planet, knowing each other's, you know, vulnerabilities to, to basically like, all right, we'll pull the trigger once and that's it. We'll just take our chances. So hopefully I'm wrong. Uh, I just I hope that's not two one on a controversial well <laughs> oliver finds himself in controversial outcomes all the time anyway so yeah. that would be nothing new just a few uh yeah but um i, I think i think bajrang will come out of the top side and i i think oliver gives him a better match than green does but you know 
Yeah. That's why the rest of the matches. Again, I don't care who wins. So <laughs> For sure. I mean, it, it, honestly, I mean, I like all of these dudes. Literally all of them. I, I'm a fan of all of them. And if any of them win, I'm going to be happy. Um, but, yeah, you know, going through it, I think Bajrang's too much for Lugo. Lugo's looked really good, um, but it, it's just there. You know, there's kind of there's levels to these things, and uh, until Lugo proves he's on a you know, world medalist level, we're gonna go Bajrang. Um, that second match, like you said, Ashnall Henderson's really intriguing. Um, if we see like f- full like full tilt Ashnall, um, then it's gonna be a really fun match. But I haven't seen it in a while just because he hasn't competed a whole lot. And um, Evan Henderson looked freaking good last time we saw him. So I'm going I'm going with Hendo. Um, I, yeah, I mean. Your ACC bias shining through without question. I, there's definitely a bias, but I, I, honestly, I'm not, I'm not being biased at this one. I, I really like, Hendo looked really good, really, really good at that, on that flow card with Etchemendia. Um, and so... I'm like 100% Ashnall could come out here and blow the doors off of him. But I just, I, I don't know what we're getting with Ashnall. So I'm not comfortable making that pick either way. And Henderson looks so good. Um, on the bottom, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, we're going to get into the ACC bias because I'm going J.O. and I'm going James Green. Um, I mean, it, but I mean, I don't feel too bad because that's what you pick too. So uh, J.O., I think J.O. Pantelio is going to be in, you've announced, okay, is it Pantelio? Pantelio. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's the most exciting match of the first round, if you ask me. And I think if we see an upset, that's going to be it. Because he, Pantelio looked great against Zane. He looked great at the RTC Cup. You can really tell the dude's just coming into his own. Um, I mean, we'll see if weight's a factor because it's a little bit. He's put together at this weight class. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it might be like a tad small for him. I don't know. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Like, I don't, I'm freaking room with Alec Pantelio, so I don't know where his weight situation is, but I, I would assume that this is probably a, a tiny bit smaller than he wants that, to be. I see your hat there, the college football playoff. Let's use the, C, yeah. the college football playoff term. He passes the eye test. Yeah, Let's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, don't. I love this hat. Hate the memory. I got it at the national <laughs> championship. I uh, obviously I went to University of Georgia, and uh, yeah, it's a bad night. I, but uh, hey, Mama Mater wouldn't know anything about <sighs> that type of success, save the Bahamas Bowl against some <laughs> crap school in Ypsilanti. So I, you know, big deal. Honestly, I'm, it, thankfully I'm back to watching. Now, the side note, thankfully, because said school decided not to play football, and said school decided to cut the sport of wrestling. I've had no need to watch them this fall, but it's made me come back to watch college football again, like I would, like I used to before 2010. It's what turn on and watch all the best games. Not again, not care who wins. Like, like side note that BYU Coastal Carolina game was one of the most fun games I've watched all year. Now, For sadly, sure. before this football situation at Ye Old School in Norfolk, I was a Hokie football fan. Not the greatest season to be watching Hokie football right now. So that was kind of yeah. painful. Like, all right, and go back to watching the Hokies. Crap. So. Dude, well, all right. So I live in Chapel Hill, and I'm like, I'm a, I'm a bulldog till I die, right? I, I paid a lot of money to say that. So um, I, I'm, I'm a bulldog through and through. Thank you for your contribution to the Athletic Association. Yeah. Um, but, you know, living in Chapel Hill, it's been damn fun to watch the Tar Heels this year. I mean, they, they put up 62 points the other night on Miami, and they're like their running backs, I'm not kidding, 
One of them was over 300 yards rushing. The other was over 200 yards. Yeah, it, it was like it was early most, third quarter. They were both two over 200 or something. Most right? insane stat I've ever seen in my life. I, I didn't think it was real. Like, and I was watching. <laughs> Carolina did put 80 up on Old Dominion one year. So, oh, dude. <laughs> in football. But, now, living in Chapel Hill, if we get spring sport, uh, fall sports back, I, I got to say this. You've got to pay attention to that monster legacy of a women's soccer program and yeah. the field hockey team because those are two sports that, especially field hockey, uh, you watch high-level field hockey, you will be a fan. Seriously, you watch college, you watch those top ten teams in college women's field hockey. It is, it's awesome. We had some some drinking games in college that we used to go to and pick a number and you know swig along. I'm not condoning that behavior. I'm just saying here's what I did, uh, and I actually liked it for the speed of the game. So just side note, you're in Carolina, you're in Chapel Hill. You've got some other sports you can pay attention to in football season too. Just giving you that little knowledge bomb for you. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, I drive by that that uh, the soccer field every single day, dropping my wife off, picking her up. Um, it's not a bad place to live. I like it a lot. And you know, kind of also fun fact, uh, I live two doors down from Mac Brown's new house. Okay. So yeah, Mac Brown is actually moving in. Is my next door neighbor, and I uh, I didn't believe my one of my neighbors told me he's like, oh that you know the house they're working on that's Mac Brown's house, and I was like, oh okay, all right, whatever, yeah. and. Uh, I'm just walking my dog one day and I walk by and sure enough, there's, you know, this real nice BMW parked out front and Mac Brown walking around the front yard and he waved and said hello. And yeah, so Mac Brown lives two doors down, <laughs> which is wild. But um, yeah, so yeah, they, didn't, they didn't come on the show to talk about field hockey and soccer, though. So. No, but so we'll get back I will, to this. I will get back. I will get on. I, I get on those tangents all the time. So I will bring it back for you and help you out. Thank Reel you. me in. So, um, but for the bracket, yeah. So I got, I'm going to say J.O. over Pantaleo, although, although that's where I think could be an upset um, if we see one in the first round. Uh, I think James Green beats Bryce Meredith. Um, it's just James Green looked really good, RTC Cup. Uh, Bryce pass. Meredith loves him from wrestling, man. He'll, he'll, oh, he'll take on anybody anytime, man. Anyone? I, I, I just love Bryce Meredith's mentality about wrestling. Oh, for sure. I'm a huge fan. Um, I just I don't know if he's got what it takes for, for Green right now. Um, but I'm gonna have Bajarang over Evan Henderson, uh, and then I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Jay over Green. Uh, I think it's gonna be a really close one, like you said. Uh, so we had the same finals, but I'm going Jo. I'm gonna say Jay over Bajarang. Um, it depends on who we see. You know, if we see the Jo that that showed up against Nolf, then uh, it's going to lean Bajarang for sure. Uh, if we mm -hmm. see the J.O. that went 50-0 at Senior Nationals, then I'm confident picking J.O. Not confident, but I'm I'm comfortable picking J.O. Um, but, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go J.O. Obviously, the ACC bias here, but, man, uh, you know, when he's clicking on all cylinders, there's not a whole lot of people in this world that can beat him. But, uh, yeah, Very so cool. that's... That's the the cup or the the cup the bracket right this weekend uh, live on Flow Wrestling Friday night uh, it's gonna be fun I'm definitely tuning in um, and let's let's jump into what we're actually wanting to talk about I mean we're hell we're an hour into this thing we're just now getting into what we want to talk about um, but you know we're not gonna talk too crazy long about it but NCA eligibility right so we had this ruling that just came out I don't know month ago weeks ago whoever however long ago not too long ago um and the basic gist of it is that this year is basically a free year right it doesn't hurt anybody's eligibility so you know if if spencer lee's heading into this year and this is his junior season 
Well, this is a senior season technically, right? So this is technically a senior season because he lost last mm-hmm. year. Um, then he can wrestle this year, and then next year is a senior season, right? So this year really doesn't count, right? So wherever they are going into this season, they're going to be that same thing next year, um, which is really cool for obviously for the guys that are in school. Uh, but there's all kinds of different things that go into this, and everybody that's a wrestling fan, the first thing you think is awesome: two more years of Spencer Lee, four years of Makai Lewis, uh, you know. Uh, what three more years Austin O'Connor like we, we get all these awesome wrestlers for so much longer um, but that's really a really small cog in the wheel uh, of the things that are going on so um, what is you know what is your thoughts about this ruling initially it's what they have to do because there's no guarantee we're even gonna have, still have a season I mean we've got we got wrestling we've got it scheduled we've got you know plans in place but the Ivy's bailed out We've got Division Three conferences saying, okay, we're not going to do championships and season schools are on their own to do it. Uh, we've got Division Two wrestling that, that started last weekend. The NAI has been going. Junior college moved their their, their season to completely the second semester. So um, I'm curious as to, you know, I think it's more, it's, it's a fail safe. So you're going to need these guys to compete. So of course, oh, you give them the incentive to compete. It's a free year. Well, the free year doesn't work for everybody. Just one thing I think it makes sense is for the Ivy League is they don't get extra years. You don't redshirt in the Ivy League. They don't use postgraduates in the Ivy League. I don't even think you can transfer into Princeton. So service academies, you're also looking them there. You don't get the extra year at a service academy. You get what you get. You might get a hardship year or something like that. Then, you know, some schools like Bucknell, for example, you know, they're, you know, like these guys that transfer out. Okay. Well, why did, why did, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the 97 pounder from Bucknell. Why'd he end up at Virginia tech? Uh, well, cause he, he couldn't use his last year of eligibility at Bucknell. So there's all these rules that you have to be aware of. And, and each school is individually different. So when you, you apply that logic to what's going to happen, um, is, you know, the eligibility. Yeah, I like it. It's great, but it, it it's really is a fail safe. So, okay, no harm, no foul here for you. That's in school, but it doesn't apply to everybody equally. So that's the one thing that concerns me. Like last year, um, I remember I was at the division threes the day before there was a war kids are out there warming up when the announcement was made, I had to make the announcement. And then the first thing is, is, you know, Milliken coach, uh, Ryan Burke comes up right to the head table. It's like, are our guys going to get an extra year of eligibility? Well, you don't red shirt in D three either. You get a hardship year, but you know, some of those schools they're, they're worried about, okay, this is their one chance. Are they going to get an extra year? Cause they were hours away from starting their tournament and that's their whole season. So I, I worry about the application because now combine that with the dead period, you're not just impacting the fresh, the red shirts from last year, the athletes that lost their, their season. Some of them lost the end of their career. Like, you know, Taylor Lujan, I think everybody, he's probably the guy that people look at the most in the last year's situation. And okay, well, they are affected. Now the freshmen were infected, uh, impacted. Now, the seniors that are coming in, the freshmen that are there now are impacted. The high school seniors that are there out there now because of the dead period are impacted. So I don't know if the best, I don't know the best solution, but again, it's a fail safe. And we, again, we're looking at it from, from, for once in our lives as wrestling fans, we're looking at it from the positive side of things. We typically look at things as how can people cheat this rule or how can people uh, find out, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at thing or how to exploit something. We're actually looking at, we can get X amount of titles. We get to do this. That's that's one of the few things I've seen wrestling people actually look at things positively right off the bat, which is, it's great. 
do that with the last champion though. Uh, it just, I, I don't know if that solution is going to end up being the best answer for everybody. So, and I realize I don't think there is a right answer. So, I mean, every op- opportunity you come up with or option you come up with, somebody's going to be impacted negatively. Uh, so, and that's again, what you got to deal with the good and the bad, the, the, you know, what mitigates the most risk. I mean, and again, some schools are going to be in a situation where I, I think ultimately the problem is, is when we look at it from a positive angle of wrestling, well, oh, well, guess what? If, if Yanni, if, if the Cornell wouldn't have shut down and, and Yanni, okay, could he have won five? Well, you, you only get eight semesters of eligibility in the Ivy league. So he would have conceivably won that fifth title at another school. It wouldn't have been at Cornell. Because, Can you imagine Yanni transferring yeah. and being in another singlet? You, you don't, I mean, you transfer, I mean, you're, you're, your academic eligibility you don't really see that term used a lot but uh i don't think it is a term but like you're done your t- your clock is over in the ivy league so it's that's one thing that his his particular position was much different than spencer lee it's going to be different than makai lewis so uh again these institutions they're all not playing on the same playing field i mean you're also looking at you know non-scholarship you're looking at private schools versus state schools i mean it, it, outside of division one look at division three I mean, some of these little, small liberal arts colleges are an arm and a leg to go to. And granted, you're getting grants, you're getting all sorts of maybe academic money to 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 cut down on that cost. But ultimately, it's it's intriguing. I think it impacts, and I'm just going down your, your you know the the logic here. Just because you can have eight seniors to reload doesn't mean you have the money to pay for them. And again, the haves and the have-nots, you know, is is Chattanooga going to be able to hold on to two of their guys that they think could qualify in place and be able to pay for those scholarships? And I don't mean to be, I'm not calling out Chattanooga because I don't have any knowledge on them, but you know, or well, let's, let's dial it into the ACC. We know Duke sticker price. They're non-scholarship for wrestling. Are those, are those kids going to stick around there and pay X amount of room and board and tuition to, to be on a team that's probably going to get, you know, hit pretty bad in dual meets and, you know, try to get one or two guys in nationals. I mean, is, is it, is, is the opportunity to compete in, in wrestling and make the championships? What's that, what's the dollar sign on that? I think is the question that I'm getting at is, is it worth $60,000 in student debt for yeah. a shot at the show? It's and, this. you know, we'll look and thing is here's the wrestler mindset. Oh, well, wrestlers, we're, we're going to no wrestlers are smart. We don't always come across that way, but, it's a if, if if it's if you're a borderline guy and you really want that opportunity to compete, go for it. But if you're a borderline guy and you're like, you know, I really can't afford, you know, because I'm not going to be on my my quarter ride. That's this they promised it to this freshman. I'm going to be off the books. The finances the finances are where this is going to hit the mid major programs the most because there's going to be kids that are going to want to stay and they won't be able to afford it. So that's what I, I wanted to ask. I don't think we see that in ACC as much because it's a power five, save Duke's lack of scholarships. And, you know, it comes to ACC. I think Duke may be affected by it probably more than anybody else. Or Pitt, I think, I think I'm not sure, you know, Keith would know better than I would, obviously, about what yeah. the sticker price is at Pittsburgh. But I understand it, it's pretty pricey. So, I mean, you got a guy like M- Mickey Phillippe who's got 9,000 years of eligibility still. I mean, I mean, how how much time is is he going to pile up? I mean, he's not like you don't scholarship guys for six seven years. So, yeah. I, I just worry about the cost. What it's going to be is, I you know I'm not going to say is it worth it. Of course, if you place on that podium, it's worth it. But you got to be realist about this. I mean, we may not have this season. You know, we we're putting the cart way before the horse. If you know we don't have a March, 
you know, if we're in these these weird situations, I mean, co- you know, we can look at college football while they're playing. We're not college football. Schools aren't making money off of off of us. You know, we're not the men's basketball tournament, which is the only national championship that pays out money to its schools. So we don't have the bargaining chips to say, well, what, what they're doing it that other sports do. So then um, if anything, these, we got to cut our costs as, as a sport, you know, with, with the times we're in financially, this could be a real make or break season because we've lost 393 sports yeah. since the onset of COVID. Thankfully, wrestling has only been, you know, it's only been a handful of wrestling uh, teams, you know, compared to, to tennis, which is almost at 70. I mean, can you imagine losing 70 teams in a year? That's insane. So all of those things are factors when we get back to our eligibility point because everything is going to cost money because while it may not be a hard cost for that student to sit in that classroom, that's still going to be looked at as an expense the way creative and sometimes shady academic or yeah, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Accounting. Yeah, A word. Accounting practices go because, oh, well, we, that costs $350,000 in scholarships. No, it doesn't because those seats aren't getting filled unless you put them with wrestlers. So that's a bit of a soapbox that, that kind of checks off a couple of my concerns when it comes to this eligibility. Thing yeah. Too. So I think I realized I threw a lot at you there. Oh, no. I think they. Uh, power rant, right? <laughs> hey, man, that's that's what podcasting's for. Um, but. That I mean, yeah, that definitely I feel like hits a little little close to home for you, especially with Old Dominion. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that was kind of a well, good. They're just, they're just poorly run in all sense, all, all shapes and terms. They're just they're just and and you know what? That's they know it too. That's why they didn't they, they didn't have the balls to answer me. So yeah, moving that's, on. That's a whole podcast right there. Um, that's all. That's a whole documentary. Yeah, you should see the shady stuff I've uncovered with my FOIAs. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a that's a teaser. That's a teaser, man. Anyway. But um, yeah, I mean that was kind of a good segue and kind of jumping uh, down to the programs out before the athletes this time. Um, you know, you talked a lot about obviously how that's going to affect the programs and you know scholarships and you know having these kids that have like Philippi. Philippi's been in school for what five, four or five years already. Um, I mean, actually, I had him on the podcast a couple weeks back, and he graduated, right? So he already has a degree from Pitt, and he has two more years, three now, I think, you know, of eligibility. Um, it's just wild. And so my real questions, and you kind of hit it a little bit, but I guess diving a little bit deeper into it are, you know, talking about how this affects the programs, right? Specifically uh, for, for the, the basic wrestling fan that, that doesn't follow a whole lot, um, what is – because again, like I, like I've said, right? The first thing that you know, if I'm just a wrestling fan, I I turn on FRL, you know, twice a week, and you know, I watch a couple of matches here and there. Um, I think extra year, awesome, cool, more of the dudes mm-hmm. that I love to watch. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff that goes into that. So for that basic fan, uh, what do they need to know about how this affects the programs as far as you know scholarships and you know new recruits coming in that are possibly getting their scholarships taken away and. Um, you know, specifically in the ACC. Well, I guess we'll talk about that in a minute. So w- what do people need to know about that stuff? Well, what I've seen a lot of, especially on football, again, football's got 85 scholarships at the FBS level. So a little bit more wiggle room to play with, but certain schools are seeing a lot of those seniors that have the eligibility left hit the transfer portal. And that's going to be a field day, Nick. I think when this season is over and it's those seniors that is, okay, I've got that extra year that I thought about. And okay, this recruiting class has been brought in. Okay, I'm going to be gone. Coach thought the money was off the books. I think you're going to see a lot more work in that transfer portal after this season when guys are like, okay, I'd love to stay. I Maybe I have graduated, but there's no money for me here. There's no GA position. 
and some of it too, we also got to realize that not everybody wants to wrestle for the rest of their lives. And again, back to our mentality, we, we, we would think that that's almost blasphemy. Oh, well, you know, if you're a real wrestler, you're going to want out there and compete. Yeah. Until you've got a, you know, you've got a, an opportunity to go to grad school somewhere that doesn't have a wrestling team that you didn't plan on wrestling this year because you have, you are you now in, deep into your major, you are looking for a fellowship or an internship or something. Uh, you know, how is that going to affect your job prospects? Because for, for kids, we got a lot of first generation college students, right? That's something we like to, to beat our chest about. And it's like wrestling provides a lot of opportunities for low and middle income families and, and, and chances for kids to go to school. Well, when those kids finally get that opportunity, well, they're not all trying to make the Olympic team and yeah. Okay. Here's that, that mindset to go, well, if you're, you should try to win at every level, the highest level possible, guess what? Some people are there because they love wrestling, but they want to get a great job and have a great career. That's what we were taught growing up, right? Go up, go to college, get your degree, get a job, start a family, have your 2.5 kids and your dog, maybe a cat if you're not allergic. Uh, and some people want to be doctors. Some people want to be astronauts. Some people, can you put your career on hold or your, your, your career, not your wrestling career, your career on hold for one more bite at the apple? Yeah. And it's not just financial, like the student loans I was talking about, but the, the, the issue is, is going to be where those kids, like it's going to be the seniors. They're going to have one, you're going to have one year free agents. And, you know, they, they talk about lessening the transfer requirements in the whole transfer portal. Anyway, COVID's just exacerbated that. So uh, the impact is we've got 9.9 .9 scholarships is the max in division one wrestling. I think we, mo most of us know that. And to think not every school is 9.9. .9. I mean, you've got schools that were 9.9 .9 out of state is not the same equivalency as 9.9 .9 in state. So you can offer this many rides. Oh, for that state. Some, some schools have in-state tuition for border states. For example, uh, I look at North Dakota state, for example, my nephew goes to school there. He's from Silver Bay, Minnesota. It's a border state. He gets in-state tuition. So What's going to happen with the schools that have that type of thing? If, if you know, there's going to be maybe a lot of these gophers that have a year left over are going to be like, hey, I can go to South Dakota State or North Dakota State with my extra year. So I think it's going to be it's going to be a weird redistribution of senior talent. And and again, to look at the stats, I don't have them in front of me, but to get that sixth year, where is the success really from the kid that gets the sixth year? I don't see a lot of it. There are exceptions, like Willie Miklas is a guy who placed. He's a four-time All-American, got a sixth year. You don't see a lot of sixth-year guys have that success. That you know they're not they're not wrestling in the finals. They might make the podium, but it's rare that they get it. I'm sure you guys can pull them off the top of your head right now. Uh, that you know of, of recent examples, but there's a lot more recent examples you didn't hear about because they didn't hit the podium and you forgot about them. So let's remember, not every wrestler wants to be a wrestler their entire lives. I mean, I look back at my roommates, you know, Jeff Rusak was a four-time national qualifier and a, and a conference champion, four-time conference champion at ODU. Did not want to, he, he didn't have a desire to go for the Olympics. I mean, he was the five seed at nationals in 02, had a bad tournament, you know, and coached for a little bit, but he's a, he's a firefighter. He, he yeah. wanted to do that. Like, so there, the dreams and aspirations of our wrestlers were not all centered around a wrestling mat. And honestly, it's that extra year. It's like, okay, well, can I stay? No. Do you try the transfer portal? And some of them are like, all right, well, I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to get on with my life, or I'm going to go right in the workforce, or I'm going to, I'm going to join the military, or, or something like that. Let's just not think that 
it's it's a math game because we talk about the money in with the recruits, the money out with the graduated seniors, the coaches now, the budgets. Again, schools having to pay for extra non-revenue sports more so than they had to in an era of COVID where, again, we've lost 390 teams. So ultimately, the cost is it kind of kind of hinges on what the athlete wants to do. I think the athlete has the most power here than they've ever had with the transfer portal. They still aren't getting what they deserve. You know, we could, you know, I'm not going to go into the name, image, and likeness argument, which is very few wrestlers are being impacted by, but enough. So ultimately, it's not all of our goals. And, and you know, I say our, like my, you know, I was a terrible wrestler in high school. Did, did I want to wrestle in college? No, I want to be a broadcaster. So I was, I know that that's what I've wanted to be since I was in the fifth grade. So that's where my career path is. And guess what? There are wrestlers out there that have the same type of mindset. They want to be a veterinarian. They want, like, again, they want to be astronauts. They want to be. Uh, they want to be generals. They want to. They they want to do things other than wrestling. And ultimately, just because they got the extra year doesn't mean they're going to take it. And I think there's. I think some of us are going to be disappointed in some of the athletes who are like, "No, nah, man, I'm out. I'm done. I had my run. I placed once. I'm happy. I have no regrets." So I think that's that. That's probably going to come to the forefront more. And as fans, we got to give those guys that opportunity to 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 live their life. So um, you know, I I, I maybe I'm putting the cart before the horse with my expectations of what people were going to say in this hypothetical argument that I'm having with myself. But ultimately that's where it's going to, it's going to come down to, to money, transfer choices, transfer options, or are we done? Am I done? Can the school afford to keep me here? Can you afford to keep me here? Is keeping me here going to cost the school money? Does it put our program at risk? All these are factors you got to think about. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean, you, you kind of bled into the athlete too. Right. And like you said, as a fan, I just think, oh, awesome, another year of so and so. But you, these are individuals, right? They're they're just like you. They're just like me. Like they they just happen to be very good at their craft, right? Mm-hmm. And that being very good at something also has no bearing on your love for it and if you want to continue doing it, right? Like you said, I mean, I know from personal experience, my wrestling partner growing up my entire life uh, was really good, and we got into high school my junior year. He, he lost like three matches the whole year. He got second in the state. He, he only lost the same guy like three times. And um, he lost him in the finals, obviously. And that was Brooks Clemens that ended up going to Oklahoma and wrestling. Uh, I mean, Brooks went. Brooks started at the Air Force Academy prep school, then yeah. round up at Old Dominion, uh, Oklahoma, then Old Dominion, then Bruton Parker. He finished places. his career as an NAI All-American at Bruton Parker. He also had one of the cooler Twitter names, uh, my man Brooks. Yeah. So no, he was yeah, he was awesome. And uh, so my you know my buddy he he was the best dude in the state that year aside from Brooks, right? And it just happened to have Brooks there. And senior year, Brooks was gone. He went undefeated, won a state title. It was just dominant, right? That he only had one minor decision the entire year, and it was the state semifinals. And so just absolute dominance, and had all kinds of colleges coming up asking him, "Hey, you want to come wrestle here, there, whatever?" Nope. Don't care. I, I, he didn't not like it. He loved the sport, but he just mm-hmm. knew that he had other goals that he wanted to accomplish. And he went to Georgia Tech. He got a uh, a degree in aerospace engineering. He's working for frick. I don't know who. Probably NASA. Who, who knows? He's incredibly smart. Um, but like you said, there's you know there's other factors that play into this that people don't realize, right? These are people that have other aspirations, and so. Uh, you can't just delay med school. Now, I'm sure you can, but I, it's not realistic for people to do that. You know, I think I was, I can't remember. I don't know if he was yeah. a wrestler at Air Force or not, but it was a, a wrestler from Bullis Prep in, out in uh, 
in Maryland, a road scholar. What if what if we've got a wrestler that's like in line to dad? Oh, you can go to Oxford. Oh, I got this extra year that I need. Uh-uh. Come on. <laughs> we got to remember. Yeah. Well, there is even wrestlers got to realize there's more to life than wrestling, too. And I we, we all have to understand that. And I hope everybody gets the opportunity. And one thing maybe comes out of this. It may not directly deal with the ACC, but it deals with wrestling. Maybe this is the opportunity for, you know, those those guys that were like those fringe qualifiers like all right i got that extra year let me go division two let me go d3 well, d3 if you've got eligibility it's a little wonky again you don't do you don't get post grads in d3 but or uh, graduate students but you do get the extra year of eligibility so uh, maybe look at an nai school get an opportunity to just real, you know maybe not not have it be a job for a season if you're going to get maybe get an advanced degree or you know something like that or Tanner Farmer, you know, he was he's an NAI runner-up at Concordia of Nebraska. He played football for the, the Cornhuskers. Mm-hmm. He had a, a semester of eligibility left. He was kind of brought on as kind of a graduate assistant. And then they realized he got eligibility left. He went out there and wrestled for a semester, made the finals. I mean, we can do that. So let's just also look at if you want to go out there and compete to have fun, there are options. It doesn't have to just be Division One. Yeah. And there, there's my small college hype train, by the way. <laughs> Um, I wanted to bring it kind of down to ACC because obviously we're an ACC podcast trying to focus. That's the niche, right? Trying to focus on the ACC because, in my opinion, it's the second best conference in, in America. And yeah, it's decent. I, I mean, I fully believe it's the second best conference. The Big Ten's the the big beast, you know, and it's hard to, to get up there with something that's that's that train that's been rolling for so long. Um, but I really I think the ACC is fantastic, and I, I want to talk about what programs first are do you think benefit from this the most and you know for me just going ahead and saying i think the three that stood out to me uh were first one is virginia tech for me i I think they stood out because they had a they've had incredible recruiting classes lately they have some studs on the bench and this is going to be a year where it's a free year so even Mm -hmm. you know there's some seniors that are in the virginia tech lineup that if we didn't have a free year they'd be like all right you know this is close like we're going to give it to this guy because he's been around for a long time i don't think they go that way you know necessarily but um i think it could have leaned more towards the seniors whereas especially when you can redshirt those freshman guys whereas now you're looking at guys like sammy hillegas and um what's the hunter cat has the heavyweight um you've got connor Olray that's uh at 165 obviously there's makai there but who knows 65 74 there might be something going there with those guys like there's so many dudes that you can fit in the lineup there that i think is going to really benefit them um same kind of goes to NC State, maybe a little bit less. I mean, they have some really good recruits, but one that really jumped to my mind was Ed Scott. And I am so freaking happy after watching the wrestle-offs the other day because I've been saying it for months now that Ed Scott was listed at 57 on the roster. And I've been saying, watch it, 49, right? 49 is their spot where, you know, I don't want to say a weak spot because Lighten's great, um, but... You know, it's definitely a spot where you're, you're, you could see some competition if a guy like Ed Scott drops down. And I've been saying that for a while. And who do we see at the 149 wrestle-offs but Ed Scott? And he won the wrestle-off at 149. So um, just got to toot my own horn whenever I get a chance because, you know, I, I called that one. Um, but 
it's going to be fun to see guys like him, right? NC State actually returned every single person to their lineup. They didn't lose anybody, um, but we could see a guy like Ed Scott slide in. You also have guys like Kevin Jack, which he's behind Tariq, so I doubt we really see him, but they could definitely throw him out there for a duel or two if they want to, depending on how many matches we're getting and all that That'd be the, stuff. the other Jack, right? Ryan? Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah, Ryan Jack. And, and then... Yeah, so I mean, just depending on RPI and all that kind of stuff, we could see people get thrown out like Ryan Jack. Um, I think the RPI might be kind of thrown out this year, and I haven't read anything on that. And yeah. Granted, again, I, I do work with the NWCA, but I haven't had those dis- discussions with them, so I don't think RPI is going to be as a, a big of a factor because we're going to probably have guys going into nationals eight and zero, you know, yeah. nine and zero, something something crazy. So uh, the impact definitely, I think it helps the teams that have the youth and they don't have to worry about that roll off senior class. So their their money's not tied up in into that class, so they have less to worry about now when it comes to the competition. Yeah, I mean, I'm also curious. Does this give us maybe some data points to look at to giving us the option of let let's get rid of the red shirt? You get five years to compete for postseasons, for example. That's one of those things that I know you know Colette's kind of champion that a little bit. It's like okay, so you don't have to forfeit a weight when you have two two freshmen that are redshirting and burning year for a duel. I want to see. I mean. We should see a complete, I don't want to say complete, we should see a drastic reduction in forfeits in dual meets this year. Yep. That's the one thing that's like, think about the positive aspect that we're not a byproduct of all this is we could now see something that's like, okay, we're, why, why, why are you going to forfeit? Well, we got, you know, say, say, uh, you know, okay, John Boris is hurt. Well, CAC is redshirting. We can't bol- pull him for one duel. We're not going to bump our backup 84 pounder up there to get hurt. No, slide him on in there. What, See, what's the harm? So that's, I think this, 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 this provides us something that we could potentially look at to be like, we have at least a data point to look at. It's it's a very small data point, but if we see the reduction of forfeits considerably at Division One, on a shortened schedule, and everybody's got eligibility, that could be a colossal win for college wrestling. And we're not even thinking about that right now. So that's such a great idea that I, I'm ashamed that I've never thought of. But, you know, you always think of, like, college football. They got the the new rule where these freshmen can play, I think, four yeah. games, right? Four um, games. And I've always thought, like, okay, well, they could do something like that with college. But I think what you said is, is way better because it takes out all the, like, weird gray area, keeping track of duels and this and that. Like, five years, you get four postseasons. I think that's yeah. the and easiest way to do it. And you can wrestle up. to. I think there's going to have to be a limitation of a percentage of schedule for what counts. I mean, because... You know, theoretically, I mean, there's, again, the devil in the details. But, like, for example, Mark Hall, before he was pulled out of red shirt, was like, okay, well, let's, uh, well, why not throw Mark Hall in for a duel at Rec Hall if, if you know, you've got a, you got a backup in there or something like that. Or, oh, we've only got, you know, a football. Here's the point we make. You can take a cornerback and move him to safety. You can you can take your, your wide out and, and, and put him on the other side of the ball. You can have your kicker punt, or you could pull a goalie off the women's soccer team. Or you know you could you can change positions. A guard can be a center, or can be a tackle. You know they might have not played those positions in a while, but you have the, you can't make a one seventy four pounder, one thirty three pounder. Yeah. We have roster limits because we're a non revenue men's sport. So we take the restriction off of you know okay yeah we'll work it. Well why are you redshirting the workout partner? Okay because you think he might wrestle one dual meet three years from now. He's probably going to quit by then. Yeah. I think this was also going to keep keep help with retention. We had the same problem in high schools, but think about it. Like the kid, the, the room guy who got recruited for books, what's his incentive to stick around if he's never going to start? Or, you know, oh, well, 
uh, throw me in a dual meet against Utah Valley, or you know, I mean, let's 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 go. We're 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 dueling that NAIA team next week. Let's or you know, we're we're gonna we're we're having a duel against Pembroke. Let's let's throw him in there. I mean, I don't see the drawback to that. And again, that's not was not your question, but I think this can help wrestling if we just look at it in a slightly different manner. So, who do you think, from your perspective, in the ACC is benefiting from this the most? I think the three teams you've, you've got there, Virginia Tech, NC State, North Carolina. I mean, that's half the conference. So, I mean, of course, that's the benefit. Again, the, the teams that don't have the, 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 the high, high dollar seniors, I guess, is what we're calling. I mean, we're going to have some of that. I mean, NC State's got some pretty good upperclassmen there. You know, Virginia Tech had some guys that did have some eligibility, but, uh, you know, they, they're coming off. I don't know. I mean, like, like you know, BC, is, is, he's left. I mean, he's got his degrees out. He had a, he had a year he could use. But, mm. you know, I'm, I'm just curious. I, I guess the question you're asking me is the same question I have for them. I, am, I, I really don't have an answer for you. But, again, I think it's going to be the younger programs that will benefit because they have more flexibility with their lineup. Yeah, and, I mean – Let's get this straight, too. I think all six programs are going to benefit in one way or another from this being able to put those young guys in, right? Uh, the only reason I said Virginia Tech, NC State, and UNC is because they have more of those big-time recruits that are waiting in the wings. Uh, obviously, we know that you know the recruit, like your number next to your recruit doesn't really mean a whole lot until you do something. So who knows? Like There, there might be a dude sitting on the roster at Pitt, there at Virginia, at Duke that – wasn't highly recruited that comes out and is a national champ who knows um but we know that there's some really good recruits sitting on the rosters of those two those teams and especially virginia tech if you ask me because like you said they're really young and i think that's really gonna be a good thing for them um and then on the flip side talking about maybe who it hurts and i think the the one thing that jumped into my mind immediately was duke and because you said obviously they are a, a non-scholarship school so people don't or not school but a sport for wrestling if people don't know that duke wrestlers don't get a scholarship to come to duke and wrestle right so that's gonna hurt because like you said earlier guys like matt fine silver josh fine silver um you know some of the other guys on there uh, i'm blanking on names right now but they have a bunch of good dudes that usually if you say fine silver you're in the ballpark yeah for real um but I mean, there's a bunch of good dudes over there that that are kind of later in their career and that might want to have another shot at an All-American. And like you said, is coming back for another year or starting a master's program worth thousands of dollars? Is that really worth your shot at an All-American honor? And can they? Does the school have what they want to pursue at a, at, a, at an advanced degree? That's another thing too. We can't just assume. Oh, we'll go to grad school. Yeah. Well, what are you getting into grad school for? Now, this, I say this to somebody who didn't go to grad school. So I, I just know that I've in, in looking at it, I was like, okay, because I've actually, believe it or not, I've actually looked at, okay, what does Virginia Tech have for, for an online advanced degree? Because I'm, you know, sometimes I get like, oh, let's do it. Do I want to get a master's from a school? I'm actually proud of put a, putting a degree on my wall. So I've looked into it and I'm like, well, they don't have what, but then I go over here. Well, so if I'm, I'm a Hokie, for example, I wanted to, to, to major in this. I'm like, well, the school doesn't have it. I'd have to go somewhere else anyway. So the assumption again about grad school is is part of the the equation with duke so uh, again if 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 you've got if duke has your advanced degree program you're all right cool you're you're good you know you're going to be there anyway that may actually be in some cases a positive for the guys that that can stay because they're already familiar with everything there's not a money thing to worry about so it it depends on how you spin it really because 
you know, without a money situation in terms of scholarship, the only thing we're, we're worried about with Duke is, you know, program expenses. And that's not very much. So I, I don't think they'll be as hurt as, as it may look like at first glance, honestly. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I don't think it's something that's really killing any of the programs. I think it's going to be really more of a, a pain in the side for all the coaches to shuffle scholarships around and figure out monetarily how everything works. I think that's the biggest pain in the ass out of all of it. Um, but I don't think any programs really hurt. It's just like you said, it's that fact of you know if somebody if the stars align and they have this master's program that they want to do at Duke and. I mean, in that case, you're going to do that program anyways. But, like, if it gets to the point where you're wanting to just All-American, is it worth another $20,000 or $50,000 or whatever the heck you're going to have to pay to, to come back to Duke for however long? So mm-hmm. I think that right. sucks. But I think Duke is also set up pretty good with this ruling, too, because they're another another school that has a lot of really good young guys that are under the radar. Um there's some really good dudes on that team under the radar. A couple of them that uh, I'm forgetting the name off the top of my head. Um, but they got heavyweight that uh, placed in the Ohio State tournament like three years in a row, and then his senior year he they had it canceled this year, and he was the favorite to win. I think there's another guy at 133. God, man, I'm blanking on names. I'm gonna have to find it real quick. Um, but they got some really really good dudes on that roster that. I mean, they're they're going to get to slide in and play with the lineup, and that was one of the cool interviews I did. I, I did a while back those lineup previews, and then I brought on the coaches of each of the schools and chatted with them. And uh, you know, most of them kind of give you that answer of you know we'll see, like we'll do wrestle offs, like you know we'll see what happens. Coach Lanham was just like, whoever's the best, they're going. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is again, this is one of those years too where. You always say, well, the best guy's going to wrestle. This year, that's the positive, too. You can actually say the best guy's going to wrestle, and nobody loses a year over it. Well, he also said that before uh, before this ruling. So we didn't even have that extra year yet. We we just thought it was a whatever, it's another year. And he was like, it, the best dude's going to get in the lineup. It doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking through these, these lineup reviews. Okay, yeah, so Logan Agin at 125. He was a three-time Ohio State placer. Went 4-3-2 next. So the tournament got cut last year. So he was on his way to 4-3-2-1. Um, and then there was another one on their team. I believe it was a heavyweight. And I think it is, if I look on here, Max Fosnaw. Uh, Max Fosnaw was another one that was uh, from Ohio that was – projected to win a state title and got that cut so i think guys like that uh i'm really excited to see in the lineup it's going to be cool to see a guy with a chip on his shoulder that's already very very good uh come in and wrestle this year so that's gonna be fun but uh, you know as we're kind of winding this thing down i i wanted to just ask you do you have any other you know thoughts on this ruling any other overall uh, kind of feelings on what's going on or or just the 2021 season in general you know, one thing I did want to point out is, is again, it's the statistical advance of what people think wrestlers are going to do with the extra year. And uh, again, so I think I've touched on all the, the, the points about the ruling and the impacts and, and kind of gone down different avenues and tangents and, and just, you know, swirl, one of those type of things. But one thing that we, we were talking about it is, is with Yanni, is with, is with and, and Makai, really before Cornell had canceled their season, and the Ivies did, was the, f- the five-timer, the four-timer, like, okay, well, let's look at this statistically really quick. You cannot assume a fifth title when you don't have the second, third, or fourth. So yep. while it's the idea, so 
I'm going to put some stats behind that. So we know there have been 32 freshmen win an NCAA Division I championship. And now you say Division I, meaning university, uh, NCAA level prior to our three divisions. So going back to 1947, which was the first year uh, freshmen were eligible with an asterisk because it was post-World War II. And then I believe 68 or 69 was the first year freshmen were eligible all four years. So we look at that and there are 32 wrestlers. How many of those wrestlers won a title their sophomore year? We know that the end result is there's only four four-time all uh, four-time national champs. But how many of those 32 champs won a second title the next year? There's got to be a drastic drop off. I'm going to go I'm going to go like I'm going to say 6. No, it's not that drastic, but it's 12. 12. But the drop off now is between 2 and 3. So we've only had again 32 freshmen and then 12 sophomores were freshmen and sophomore champs. When we get to the juniors it's just those four. It's just those four because nobody's just ever been going four. for four and lost. Yep. Nobody yeah. in in, in uh, at least Division One. Now, in Division Two, oddly enough, it happened two years in a row for the same school. Mm-hmm. Tony Champion and James Sisson were both 1-1-1 for Portland State in the early 90s and got beat in the finals their senior wow. year. This is after Dan Russell had became a, a four-time champ uh, the year prior. So... Uh, I, I was curious if people say, oh, well, they can win three, they can uh, they can win four. Well, you had 32 wrestlers have chances to win four four, four titles by winning as a freshman. Yeah. Only four have ever done it. It's Wrestling's hard. <laughs> you know. And again, it's like not always who's the best guy wins at the end of the season. It's, it's the guy who's less hurt. I don't want to say healthy, but it's the less hurt guy. 100%. And I think, uh, thinking back to my interview with Makai, which was so cool. It was incredible to get up, to be able to talk to him. He's such a cool dude. I don't know if you saw his uh, Halloween costume. Probably the best one. Of, oh, probably one of my favorite Halloween costumes of all time. He was uh, uh, Colonel Sanders. And I asked him about it, and he actually went to KFC and walked up to the drive-thru and asked them for a bucket of chicken. And they, like, died laughing, and they gave him a bucket for free. And he was like, can I have a couple pieces of chicken? And they, they told him, they're like, you're going to have to pay for that, sir. <laughs> I was like, wow, you can't give the, you can't give the colonel free chicken? Um, but Oh, that is that – is, uh, and funny because I used to work at a KFC, so that's even funnier because we've seen all sorts. I mean, we had Allen Iverson's mom come through the drive-thru one time. That was interesting. But yeah. Uh, the only thing I have that's remotely close to that Halloween story was uh, Matt Storniolo, and this is a secondhand story. Matt Storniolo and Jake Herbert are at Northwestern. Um, this is before Matt was the head coach, and they go out in Wrigleyville, which is out. And a buddy of mine from from colleges actually lives up there and was out with him, and you know they're at Halloween, and so Jake is the genie from Aladdin, and he's all jacked up. You know, he likes this pro wrestling style, and then Storniolo is. Um, Aladdin with the skateboard, but he's got a magic carpet like glued to the top of his skateboard. And he said he's at a bar. They, they went to a bar and he's like, Hey, can I put my skateboard behind the bar? And the bartender's like, No. And then Sorny goes, I wish I could, I wish I could put my skateboard behind the bar. And Herbert's like, Done. And the bartender was so laughing so hard, they let him put his skateboard behind the bar. So that's the only kind of, you know, story that I've got that I wish I was there because it would have been better if they told the story. But the going through to the KFC That's and asking awesome. for chicken is, I might have to try that one. Yeah, no, that's I funny. Might have to do it because I, 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 I mean, I'm not. I shouldn't eat. I, I eat more fast food than I should. I'm not really a fan of it, but sometimes you just want a bucket of chicken. Yeah, it, it was. 
it was hilarious when I saw it. Like I, I saw the picture on Instagram, and it was uh, it's, on, it's on the gram. Yeah, it, it wasn't even like too far before. Um, man, I can't log in real quick. I was gonna log in and pull it up, but um, you can go find it on his Instagram. He, uh, I got him on. I was like, dude, I gotta ask. So like, I always try to find some kind of icebreaker at the beginning to kind of you know. You got me, you got me diving down. This is bad podcasting. I'm looking this stuff up. Yeah. I'm boring. It's picture. It's it's links to my podcast and pictures of my kids. Oh no, you're good. But yeah, he. Uh, it was a good podcast with him. But but what I was saying, I, again, we're getting down rabbit holes, and that's that's what we do. That's what podcasters do. But he uh, talking about like you know people Holy thinking crap. you find it. Oh, it's awesome. It is so awesome. He he looks so good in that outfit. It's hilarious. Is it him standing out in front of the KFC? Yeah. It, yeah. It's funny. It's just an RTC cup. And right over top of it. Yeah. Oh, it's hilarious. But he, uh, wow. We we're talking about, you know, the, the four timer, five timer, all that, like, kind of people assume. And, and, you know, obviously how hard it is to, to even get to a place like that. When I talked to him about winning his national title, it was really cool to kind of hear back. Like, we walked through the entire tournament and how each match went. And it was really cool to, to kind of get that insight, um, especially because I don't think anyone's ever had him on a podcast before so i think it was like i, I had him on everyone everyone uh junior worlds did so, you i gotta go back yeah, and at the that. junior worlds i'm, I'm trying to i mean because we've done 100 episodes of inside virginia tech wrestling so okay i'm pretty you know my alma mater can't even say that yeah uh, well so like, let's see he, did I last have Mackay? when i asked him about it i said you know i asked him about you know the winning a title and all that kind of stuff and how it felt to walk out right is what i would ask where i got him there and he said when he walked out he just really focused on taking it all in and living in the moment and just feeling the crowd and the lights and like everything and especially after he won too he said he just focused on taking it all in because his comment was i might not ever get back here and that like that caught me off guard because I feel like a lot of people you talk to, they're like, yeah, well, I, you know, I'll be back there or they, they don't take it very serious. Like, how am I trying to say this? Like, like they play they it, take different. it for granted that they're, yeah. they're just going to, they're, you know, and, one, and, and on that point, I know somebody who, who lost an overtime to a highly ranked wrestler and they said, yeah, if I win that match, I was on my way to becoming a three-time NCAA champion. And I'm like, you're a sophomore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah. know that's it's it's that mentality too well, so makai you know makai has that's that's the right attitude and then i've had him on twice junior worlds and okay. ncaa's so okay cool i gotta go find those I, I completely missed those but episode 71 and episode 82 of course the episode 71 was the day makai wins it the day after said school in norfolk beat vt in football so that was just a really twisted day to have makai on the show <laughs> all right anyway i'm writing it down go down those yeah, no more rabbit, no more rabbit holes. So yeah, seventy-one right. and eighty-two. So yeah, I'm gonna go listen to those for sure. But because uh, he's an interesting listen, so make sure people go listen to the ones on the Matt Talk, the ones on Matt Geeks. So listen to Makai; he's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool, uh, just to kind of hear that perspective from him, and, and it wasn't what I was expecting. So it was nice, it's refreshing to hear somebody say, you know, it's not guaranteed that I get back there. And so I thought that was a good mindset. Um, Very true. But. Is there anything else that you want to hit on before we before we wrap this up? No, we touched on the last champion, which again was uh, was not really, you know, I'm not a spokesman for the movie, but uh, I'm I'm definitely doing stuff on that. So if you go to mattalkonline.com/slash the last champion, that is my landing page for all of the uh, movie related interviews. I've got Cole Hauser, I've got 
uh, the Withrows, Glenn Withrow, uh, you know, his wife, who was, you know, Joe McGuire from Lizzie McGuire, um, Ivy Withrow, the daughter, they all wrote and produced it. Then I've got Michael Madden coming up soon. He wrestled at Jamestown and he plays a, a, a supplementary character or supporting character at Deck Hines. Casey Moss, who is on Days of Our Lives, he's coming up. And I'm also working on getting, again, Paul Bradley and Joel Shear to talk about the choreography behind wrestling and how to actually how they did it so that is part of my uh, my the last champion series and also i've got a series that i did back in 2015 to celebrate the 30th anniversary of vision quest if you want to compare wrestling movies and such that's got matthew modine that's got frank jasper who plays brian shoot that's got terry davis who wrote the book which the movie was based off of mattalkonline.com slash vision quest so it's it's some of these things that with my, my my projects and series i don't have a whole lot that i mean i got some stuff that i'm working on right now a lot of historical stuff, and, and right now I'm finishing up a piece that's going to be more statistically oriented as Grandview today broke the college wrestling dual meet win streak record. Uh, it, was, it was 92. They are now, they won three duels today. Uh, they beat Cumberland University. They beat Marion of Indiana. They beat Texas Wesleyan to win their 95th straight match. So I've got their entire 95 matches. I've got their 119 match NAIA dual meet win streak, their average scores, you know things of that nature a real like you know number crunching is what i call it that'll be on the rockfin channel so where i'm doing those statistically fun breakouts matter of fact the stats that i put up today i'll probably put out where i'm breaking down okay dick hauser one is a true fresh 47 he went one didn't qualify three didn't qualify uh lowell lang would have been the first four timer but he was in a car accident before national so he didn't get to compete as a sophomore so uh these stats and these charts and stuff i put yeah. them up on my rockfin channel those are those are really where where my head gets gearing and, and gets its gears going. So, uh, rockfin.com slash Matt Talk Online. You know where, where where the Matt geeks are at. You know where Matt talks there. So, if uh, you're yeah. watching on free, you like stats, you got that. You like ACC podcasts, you got that. You like you know live wrestling, you got those. So uh, that's that's the pitch for the network. That's the pitch for the type of content you're getting from me right now. And I got a really really cool series that I'm not about to to you know release yet or or, or you know kind of. I'm kind of hiding that one until I know I've got the time to do it. And that's going to be a, a historical series. But also, um, Etched in Stone is something that the Hall of Fame, myself, USA Wrestling, Ryan Warner from Wrestling Changed My Life have all put together. My three episodes that I produced and, and narrated for Mark Chirella is out. Uh, you can check that at USA Wrestling or Hall of Fame. And that's also part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. we got series with Lee Kemp, Dan Gable, and the Smith family coming up on that one, too. So a lot of things going on, some things I'm not ready to, to, to show the world yet until I can be sure that they're ready for prime time. So that's what I got. Awesome. Well, you can show me when we get off. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, actually, I got one more question real quick before we go. I got to ask, you know, uh, you definitely someone I look up to in the sport. You, you've been able to do some really great things, broadcasting and writing and, um, and, and I mean, commentating at, you know, the Olympics, NCAA championships. Um, I, I still think it's weird to this day kind of being able to talk to you and knowing you a little bit and, uh, you know, you're, you're the the voice that I hear over the intercom at NCAAs. You know, it's, it's weird. You know, it's like a, you know, it go back to like a little kid hearing you talk. Um, but I do uh, miss, I do miss uh, Sandy going, do not climb over that railing, but we still get her to do that in Fargo. Do oh, not man. climb over that railing. I wanted to say it, but that's hers. I can't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna steal that one from her. That's just uh, that, that, that I can't do the teacher voice like she can. So she's there's great. some things that 
I will do, and, and speaking of that real quick to talk about Sandy, there's something with everybody standing up and where they're at and you know what they were looking for, how many nationals they've been to. That's something she started years ago. That's something we're carrying along that tradition. And uh, and also the, the way I call a fall is is an homage to Ed Alaverde. So those are the two things I've borrowed from two of the greats. But yeah. uh, that's, that's as far as the announcing goes. Well, damn COVID. I was going to get to stand up for 10 years this year, so it, it took it from me. So maybe next year. But um, but my question, you know, I got to actually commentate the Tara Wrestling Club uh, mm-hmm. event the other day. It was my first ever event. I'm sure that you watched the event. Do you have any tips for me? Did it go okay? Did I sound absolutely terrified? Because I was. Um, you know, did you have any feedback? I, I thought Earl's, <laughs> Earl's crazy energy really overshadowed you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I thought it was pretty solid because I I mean I had I had flow on this screen and I had you guys on the fight app up on the screen behind me. So I was basically sitting and it was like like I said, I, I've got three two screens here, then I got that and I got my tablet. So yeah. when we have multi events, I've I've usually got one that I want to hear sound. I've got it on the TV, or I'll have my headphones on if I want to hear what you know what's what's going on on flow over here in that particular situation. But yeah, I thought being able to being forced to do double duty with the interview and then the commentary that's a tough spot to be in so i think you handled that pretty well it's just again it's it's that production we get thrown to the wolves okay i gotta do this do this you don't know you're not supposed to be able to do that very well and you did it very well so that's one of those things the less you knew the better in that case is that you didn't you didn't overthink it just i'm just gonna get up and go over here i'll get up and go over here i thought it sounded fine yeah, I'm glad we had the undercard because, like I said, I'd never done it before, ever. And well, Earl, so, Earl had never done PA, so he's texted me how to do PA. I was like, yeah. no, don't – and I said this, honestly. There are people – you know, like I said, I pay homage to Ed with how I call the fall, but I don't try to copy his style. Um, yeah. I'm, I think I'm distinct with a PA. I think I'm distinct with broadcasting. And it takes a while to develop that. So I would say it's, it's, not, it's not bad to mimic somebody who you feel you like or how, how they call about or how they call sports. Like my favorite broadcaster is Vern Lundquist. He can put, you can put him in any sport, any position. The guy does did SEC football for how many years and the masters. Like you don't have a, that guy has so much range. You could put him mm-hmm. anywhere and it's just, he tells the story so eloquently and forcefully and it just knows how to do it. So it takes, it takes practice. I mean, you're, you're, it's like podcasting. Your first podcast is always going to be your work. You know, yeah. I mean, Usually your worst broadcast is usually when you say a fact wrong. It's not necessarily with your style because, you know, I've made mistakes over the PA system before and you just you don't let them eat you. And sometimes you'll say something wrong on a broadcast. And if you can subtly correct yourself to kind of save a little face, okay, that's fine. And if you you don't, don't let it stress you and just just move on because people are going to make mistakes. So as far as the style goes, that's just that just comes with practice. Yeah, and I I was so happy that we got the undercard to kind of uh, warm up a little bit because the first mm. match starts off, and uh, you know I was supposed to start talking, I just froze. Like I was like, oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing. There's people listening. This is crazy. And then Earl started talking. He looked over at me and like chuckled. And then I was like, all right, we got to go now. Let's like we could talk. It's just buddies talking. So <laughs> that's um, pretty much it. It's conversation. I mean, because you got video. It's not yeah. radio. You don't and it's thing. You don't need to tell everybody that's watching everything you know about yeah. everything you think is going on. So this is where like television, you can throw or a live stream, you can throw in a side, you can it's like baseball. It's a little faster than baseball, but you can have a conversation while calling the action. Don't let that be the 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 dominant factor of the call. But it's like, you know, you 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 end up you can you coming coming up with a theme that can go through it. Yeah. But you know, I did so many, so many of these USA Wrestling stuff back in the day by myself. So 
sometimes working with a color commentator that too you got to build a rapport you got to know with how how to bounce the right question if they're they're the stats guy you know you feed them stats you don't feed them technical questions if you've got a technical guy yeah you know hey what are they doing here you know you 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 play to to where the strength of the team is and if it's somebody that's your color guy or your analyst there's a you know commentator you know the play-by-play the color and then the analyst usually the analyst is the stat guy on a three-man team you've got your your color commentator is usually the former athlete or coach and then the play-by-play guy which is down as jim gibbons says down in distance so that's that's the case i'm much more happier in that down and distance category but and that's the thing you just you, you flow with it no event is ever going to be exactly the same so uh, you yeah. just learn from it and that's the best thing is just and ask questions i mean that's i mean i talk a lot so naturally asking questions is something i'm good at so oh, yeah. you know I've, I've asked everybody every question 100 times over again i'm still asking questions i've been doing this for 27 years well that's how you get better can't be embarrassed to ask questions just keep asking and you know people get ticked off just keep asking who cares? We'll, we'll get there, get better. And uh, I feel like me and Earl really caught our stride and got it going. And I'm excited to do it again sometime. So yeah, um, you just need to calm him down, man. It was. It was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, also the other thing was that like right before the, the actual main card, they're like, all right, you guys walk out to the mat and just and intro us. And we're like, uh, what do you want us to that say? That needs to be on the runner show. Yeah. That needs to be what? <laughs> I was like, what I mean, do you want us to say? I don't even really like doing that. I mean, I don't really like doing that. And, you know, I mean, you know, I try to put on a show, but I don't try to put on a show for me. It's like I try to, you know, build the the arena. And like I did Minnesota's number one. They're like, yeah, can you walk out the center of the mat and introduce yourself? I'm like, I really don't think that's necessary, but okay. You yeah. Know, it's just, I, you know, it's like, I don't, I'm not the center of attention here. I'm, I'm the voice, I'm the voice you hear, not the voice you see. So, that's, yeah, well, that's, that's what I see in as far as the PA goes. We asked the the fight guy, what do we say? He's like, I don't know, just, you know, you figure it out. And then we asked uh, Joe Wedra over there, and Joe's like, you guys are the experts, man. You got this, whatever you want. <laughs> I was nice. like, all right, well, well, I guess, hell, Earl, we're going to figure this thing out one way or another, so <laughs> we'll just do it. And uh, it turned out well. So for, NC, for North Carolina, too. So yeah, uh, so you had him on the show recently. Yeah, no, he's awesome, man. He's he's doing a great job over there, and uh, and I'm excited to talk to some more SIDs around the conference. But uh, you got to kind of put a little bit of spotlight on the guys that are doing all the hard work uh, or a lot of the hard work behind the scenes. So um, very cool interview. But uh, and anyways, let's wrap this thing up. We've been talking for almost two hours, and, and I'm ready to to get watching that movie. So um, yeah, and I was actually doing my I have a sit stand desk. So I was like, oh, I'll stand up for this. I've been standing up for two hours. Have you really? <laughs> I my steps. I gotta get my steps in, man. Let's oh, see wow. where I'm at. Do I, yeah, let's see. Uh, I don't even know. It's, yeah. Oh, dude, my step count has just jumped up dramatically since Jeez. this thing started. So I bet. No, that's why I got it because I, I need. I need to get the the carpet here. Uh, get the sit stand. This thing will move down. I can get my ring light up here. We've got that. Like I said, the camera in between. But some, you know, you spend a lot of time sitting down when you work from home. Yeah. Hey, when I built this studio, I had to get the stand, the sit stand desk. It's by Foley. You press a button. It goes. Mm, mm, mm. Yep. So, yeah, I've been on my feet two hours. That's awesome. Like, well, my calves are gonna feel it tomorrow. Let's give you some time to go sit down and uh, and hang out with the family. But um, that's gonna wrap us up for episode number twenty six, the Matt Geeks podcast. Again, thank you. We got Mr. Jason Bryant, Hall of Fame sports writer, on here with us. We appreciate you coming on, chatting, wrestling. Uh, had a great time, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.